This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm JVLI. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're fighting the good fight as we join mm. the German police mm. in occupied France. As we watch Spine 329 in the Criterion Collection, Louis Malle's Le Combe Lucien from 1974. But first, RJ, as the old adage goes, may you live in interesting times. Does that mean, like, you might live in interesting times? Or, like, may you, like, we hope that you do? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like a curse, RJ. Like, they hope you live in interesting times? Oh, who's they? Whoever wrote, wrote the adage. The, 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 those people. The, the Those guys. Mm-hmm. You know the ones? Yeah. You know the ones? Um, that's kind of a weird way to put that. I don't think I would have described it that way. Oh. You don't think that you live in interesting times? I don't think that anyone would want to, is what I mean. Mm. Like, when they say, may you live in well, it, like, I don't think I what want a, to. What about the people who always go, I'm bored. <laughs> oh, my God. There's nothing going on. There's not enough to do in this town. This is so it's so boring. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to get good food. There's nowhere. To, there's nowhere. There's like nothing to do ever here. I, I want to go back to the club. Why did they close all the bars down? <laughs> I want to go eat at a restaurant. Bro. <laughs> bro, they're taking away our freedoms. We can't even go to Arby's anymore, bro. <laughs> you can. You just got to eat in your car. <laughs> or the ca- your cab. They, they, they closed down Roadhouse, bro. Where are we gonna go hit on babes? <laughs> what is you know, that? that's a lot of those people. They're, they're bummed out that they have nowhere. They can't hook up. They, yeah, they can't. Like, they can't. They can't uh, bed down. You use the internet, like other people. <sighs> or is the internet well, for nerds? Mm-hmm. You swear. Well, they're they're all struggling to learn crypto at the moment. As, as their funding is yeah. is being seized, RJ. The, oh, I'm sure th- things aren't going well for the convoy. I'm sure. Hey, you know, I think we've <laughs> talked about it before. Not the convoy, but just crypto. I think crypto is going to fall, like, go away. I think it's a fad. What about you? Um, hmm. what do I think about it? Uh, the blockchain is uh, interesting. I think mm-hmm. that there's going to actually be a push, a very strong push toward it in the uh, in the f- near future. I, I understand that mm. uh, there was a lot of crypto bucks being put into Super Bowl ads stateside. There was, there yeah. Was. I, I even saw two of them because a lot of people were really creeped out by CGI LeBron James. Uh, I didn't see that ad. I watched the entire thing. Was it an American commercial? Yep. Because we we only I'm get assuming like, so. I I, yeah, we, I don't know. We only get what like three of the American commercials, oh, probably. Yeah, this is I don't know for our dear American listeners. Uh, yeah. I don't think you realize how coveted the the ability to view those uh, yeah. those American ads are in Canada, where people will try to track someone down with a satellite feed or, mm-hmm. or an American feed to watch it, and because uh, mm-hmm. instead we get. Uh, Regular old stink ads, not the uh, over the, and over the, again. The, the premium uh, original ads that are whatever mm-hmm. millions of dollars per second, uh, and, and uh-huh. get a look upon Larry David hawking NFTs or whatever the fuck. 
Yeah, see, I didn't. I we I only saw the one NFT ad, and it was for a it was a Kyrie, well, the Toronto Raptors guy, or whatever. Anyways, that was the only one I saw, which is like who's the Toronto Raptors guy? I think his name is Kyrie. I don't know. I, I think he, he's some guy who plays for the Raptors. I'm pretty sure it's Kyrie. I don't watch basketball that much, um, but uh, he had an NFT thing or not an NFT, uh, like a crypto, crypto thing. Yeah, he had a crypto thing. And then the only other ads I saw that I think were Super Bowl ads were uh, the Austin Powers one um, and the Sopranos one. And then I don't think I don't think I saw any others. Like we just got the same ad over and over again, which is what mm. we always get. You know? Yeah. Did you see the Sopranos one? I did not. You didn't see the Sopranos one? Nope. Nope. No shit. one. No. No one posted about it on Twitter, so I didn't. I didn't give a shit. It but was all I, over my Twitter, man. Well, that tells you who you're. What you was who you truck with. Uh, I uh, I should send it your way. I bet you'd get a kick out of it. I bet you'd get a kick. So uh, yeah, to answer your question, I think that yeah. there is going to be a. There's going to be a lot of capital investment in yeah. that in that blockchain, and um, there's there's a lot lot of. Uh, uh, effort being put there because if I you think look, it's gonna fizzle. You, you look at those web two, uh, the web two uh, sort of major stockholders, yeah. your Meta, your PayPal's, sure. your Netflixes, they have lost a lot of money in a very short period of time. Sure. So we'll see what the long term of this is. I have, I don't know. I'm not. I don't have the strong passion of a of a hater of yeah. crypto and stuff like that. I used to, I do think Bitcoin has this feeling of a, of a pyramid scheme involved, yeah. which I think most financial institutions are that like banks. I, I think, I think RJ capitalism might also be a pyramid scheme, but like banks, <laughs> the banks, all banking the tax man the taxes yeah i i, yeah. I, I feel like uh i don't know what what whatever um mm-hmm. what, what will be will be i i don't care about the financial world a whole lot and well, that's, that's why i'm poor i'm gonna be poor forever yeah. so that's okay. I, I agree that's fine i agree that you'll be poor forever i'm gonna be like the old lady in this movie this week with her deck of cards nice but you're, you would she probably had do tarot out. cards instead of just card no, cards. With, with my fedora and yeah. my and my vape pen. Your vape pen and your Cassavetti's films playing in mm-hmm. silence. My, you uh, just have jazz on and you say, I already know all the words. <laughs> Listen to my Charlie Parker. Yeah. Okay, anyways, I think it's going to fizzle. But hey, Super Bowl. Did you Super- watch the Super Bowl, Jarrett? Uh, no, RJ, I didn't. And uh, uh, I asked you and you said you were watching the Super Bowl. Or you replied with a football gift, so I, I assume that meant <laughs> I assume that meant that you were watching. Well, football. well, uh, that's uh, that's is on that you. not the case. That, that's on you, my dude. I I thought you were well. I thought maybe you and like some of the the chuckleheads, you know, the bobs out there. No. I thought you maybe would have gotten no. dragged into their world for a day. No, I've, I've no? Not, I have not had to watch a football game in a very very long time. You might like not, it. Not since I was over at someone's house when I was. 19 or something like that uh because they had satellite watching those sweet ads and i was eating chocolate almonds drinking schmirnoff ice and <laughs> and 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 <laughs> yeah buddy living in the lap of luxury and uh just oh. the, the the biggest uh like just shrimp with some cocktail sauce that you've ever seen oh that's that's life that's living Costco's got a pretty big shrimp platter, but oh, uh, tell me do. more about this Smirnoff ice that you were drinking. <laughs> very, very interested. The Schmier, Schmiernoff. Yeah. What about Schmiernoff. it? Schmiernoff. 
I don't know. I didn't know you were a Schmirnoff ice guy. Well, I, is, I, I, I'm not. This is news to me. I'm not. But when you're, um, I don't know, like a fresh out of high school kid and uh, you're drinking alcohol, which a lot of it doesn't taste that great when you're a, yeah. a, a wee lad, you're like, man, this stuff's real good. Vod- v- vodka. Have you, do, did you ever do the icing? Like when you get iced, did you, you and your friends ever do that? No. So we would we would do this thing that if you uh, you hide a Smirnoff ice somewhere, if someone like finds it, then they have to chug it in one go. And it was called ice. Like it's like you got iced. Now. So we we would hide hide these things everywhere. <laughs> do, you think, like, do you think Stephen King does this? Oh yeah, Stephen King would have totally done this. But it'd be like say you picked up. Food <laughs> but it's only him like, playing. Say but, you got a bucket of chicken. Like, Here you go, bud. It's, and it's there's it's an ice in there. It's only Stephen King playing. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I mean, yeah. He's <laughs> he finds it. Oh, got to drink it all. He loved that though. Nah, he's a beer he man. I, I won't. I won't um, slander him. Uh, he's no. A, he he's all. He was he's, a beer. He's a beers boy. He's a beer and, and boy. And 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 a little bit a little bit of coke. Yeah, a little bit of coke. I yeah. one time saw someone put a hide in ice in a toilet. So the per- next person who had to go and open the toilet seat, there was some ice in there. Yeah, that's icing, man fascinating yeah so you didn't watch the super bowl did you watch the halftime show at least or did no. you hear about the halftime show i i did yeah. when i i think i saw uh someone 50? saying this was like the greatest halftime show of all time i mean it was it was very cool i think prince maybe was probably the best ever but uh it was definitely more my speed than some of the last couple of years a lot of the halftime well, shows was really blink, suck was blink 182 there Mm, unfortunately, no. But they what, should have been. What about Outcast? Oh, See? man, that would be too sweet. It's like it'd be like a <laughs> halftime in your car. Oh man, it, I I could I could give you a halftime show in my car. <laughs> I uh, Missy Elliott was really good. Maroon Five was not good. Uh, this one was this one was pretty good. This one was cool. I I did I did like it quite a bit. But uh, great. Yeah. So but, I mean, so you usually uh, they're not. You you watch this on on cable on in your own home and. Well, I don't own cable, but I, I found a way. I found oh, a way to watch it. Really? Yeah. Uh, I use my mom's login for CTV. Wow. And uh, that's how that's how I accessed it. Hmm. I originally tried this. You know, got to be you got you got to be careful about admitting to these things. On, well, on, on, online now. I you mean, think Bell is listening? We, the 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 RJ, the, uh, we live in extraordinary times. Yeah, but I mean, the Bell plan is to share with family, and she is my immediate family. Some would say very immediate. I am fifty percent her genetic material, so um, I feel like that should be allowed. I share my Netflix with her, so she shares her her CTV with me. Is that a is that fine? Uh, yeah, you can bring it up with their uh, team of lawyers. Their lawyers. I do know Netflix was – they were going to try to start to do the IP thing where it's like if you're not in the same house, you can't share accounts or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so that that's problematic. But, uh, yeah, I watched. I watched that son of a bitch. It was pretty good. It was better than the last couple of years. Great. It's still football. So if you're not into the football, then you're not going to get much out of it. But <laughs> Andrea didn't much care, but she made a uh, chocolate cake, and that was pretty good. In, it was in the shape of a football or a helmet. Butter frosting, which made it kind of look like a football. Okay. So that was cool. So I got that going for me. I mean, I'm glad something's going for you. That's it. That's it. There was something I was really mad about the other day, and I was gonna, te- I was gonna, 
I was going to bring it up on this podcast, but I can't remember what it was now. It didn't, it's dissipated. It didn't involve freedom? It didn't involve freedom, but mm. uh, the convoy is raging, uh, from what I understand. You know? You know? I'm sure everyone, everyone else is getting convoys, and they're all blaming Canada for it. And it's like, hey, man, this is a very small percentage, percentage of us, but... Uh, they're ruining it for everyone, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> They're ruining it for everybody. <laughs> well, all the other countries are getting their own convoys, and it sucks. It's like, oh, yeah, truck. Oh, so actually, yesterday we were driving. We were going to a store or something, and there was, like, cop cars, and there's a huge semi-truck, and we were just like, what is this horse shit? We're like, we're sick of this convoy horse shit. And then we drove by, and then the trucker was actually – his truck was actually broken down, so it was getting towed. But, it like – it wasn't that he just stopped it on the middle of the road. It, it was actually broken down, and we went, "Oh, okay, right, that's that's okay, I guess." But everyone assumed that he was one of the convoy people. This See, guy, these these guys, these fucking guys have ruined it for everybody. They do, they do. Yeah, this guy I work with was like, "I don't want to drive my truck anymore because people think I'm in the convoy." I'm embarrassed. <laughs> And I was like, yeah. "Don't drive a truck, I guess." Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I've seen uh, on uh, Creepsville swapping by. A lot of people are suddenly selling uh, trucks. Their, their, their trucks, their semi trucks, and it's like, "Oh, is this uh, a choice, or is it uh, getting rid of the evidence?" If you find any on there that are, are, are like in reasonably priced, send them my way because my car, I think the wheels are gonna fall off. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking. These are. This is a semi. So uh, oh. it's like it's a cab. It's, it's not, I'm not talking about a, like an F one fifty type deal. Even better, I could sleep in that son of a bitch. Yeah, when ab- Andy, yeah. And when Andy eventually kicks me out, because we all know what's going to happen. We all it's know. Just a matter of when. Who has custody of the kitties? Uh, one each. Okay. We've, we've well, already, we've already thing. sorted that out. Well, I guess it's time that you get the the the, the big car, the big cab, and then uh, you can have good yep. good cat times in there. Yeah, I'll just park it at work, and mm-hmm. I can. I don't have to leave the parking lot, and don't have to wake up early anymore. Can get up five minutes before work. Be awesome. So, sorry, Jay, if there's a, any yeah. ca- uh, any capital in the world you could uh, perform a siege upon <laughs> uh, with your newfound cab and your yeah. cat. Uh, wh- yeah. Which capital would it be? Arby's. It's not the a, capital of Arby's. The cap was. Let's see. Let's see if there's a. Let's see if there's a hometown of Arby's. I think it started in Harambe, Arkansas. Hometown of Arby's. I would do it there, and like my point, because this convoy convoy people think they won, right? And they can get do anything. So I would siege that place and say, "Listen, I want free Arby's for life, buddy." Board. So you're going to Boardman, Ohio. I don't know if they'll let you cross the border, buddy. Oh, I can get in. I'll be able to sneak in. We'll have to. We'll have to. One, one day we'll have to ask Double A what he knows about Boardman. Boardman? Yeah. Well, it's if it if it's the birthplace of Arby's, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going. You're hidden. I'm going, my man. You're, there you are, and you're not leaving until yeah. you get satisfaction. Hell no! I want free Arby's for life. That's what these convoy people are doing, right? They're just yeah. taking, well, they're demanding things and with, getting what they want. When they're not allegedly conspiring to kill people. Wow, you got to use those allegedly pretty carefully. Uh, which I, you'll notice I did just that. Yes, and also you should probably mention these are characters we play for podcasts. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I know that goes without saying, but yeah, it's worth mentioning. It's good. I mean, when you're not 
seizing capitals or uh, blocking yeah. cross borders. You're uh, apparently planning to maybe go and uh, shoot some police. But, you know, it's ne- neither here nor there. Yes, yeah. I agree. Peaceful. So, yes, peaceful. There's lots of smiles on faces and lots of, you know, you know everyone's smiling and happy. And, but you yep. just, just don't ask them what they're so happy about. Mm-hmm. Just don't ask. You don't. You don't want to know. It's kind of like that Salo guy. Remember how he was smiling? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember? Mouthfuls of it. Remember? Yeah. So, what have you been doing when not sieging the capital? Oh well, um, my my job's got a a nice little job action going on at the, at this moment. Um, Are you involved? I, no, no. It is uh, adjacent to me. Yeah. You know. I've got I've got people I care about uh, out there, out on the side of the road, uh, mm-hmm. you know, picketing, uh, looking for a, a fair deal. Are you bringing them coffees and stuff? Um, thus far, it's honking and oh, okay. uh, some moral support. And... How do they know that the honking is for support and not uh, not Aggr- honking ag- aggressive? Yeah. Uh, I think usually that takes the form of, like, the occasional Yahoo who yells, Fuck you! <laughs> now, so one thing I, I, I should ask before you can continue. Now, this uh, this protest, or these uh, striking individuals, do they have signs that's, that clearly state that they're not part of the convoy? They say, we are striking for different reasons. <laughs> well, I think that has been discussed. Yeah, I mean, I know it's probably evident for people because it's like, well, no one... No one's going to be working at the university if they're part of the convoy, probably. Some of them, but you know I'd what I mean. I'd say overwhelmingly, yeah. The the um, distinction, I think, needs to be made. Yes. Probably. Well, I mean, hey, I mean, worst comes to worst, you could, they could always make a phone call and say, our freedoms are being trampled. Oh, <laughs> we, shit. We, we need a little assistance. God damn. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. So they want what's fair, hey, Jer? Yeah. A fair deal. Well, I mean, I uh, I I do understand part of it because they want that four percent retroactive, right? Where they're like, "Hey, pay us back four percent or something." Well, you, you, the, bit, the, uh, the employer uh, they have back good. they have backed off of that. Okay, good, good. So that's a start. Um, yeah. a lot, most mostly, it seems like it's not really too much about uh, uh, money at this. It's point. about control. Uh, one yes, pretty much. Uh, all it's all about control. But it's, I feel like for the employer, it might be about uh, who's who's yeah who's boss and uh, about mm-hmm. you know demoralizing and uh, putting people in their place. Perhaps just a little bit. How how would you put someone in their place? I mean, that's between me and my attorney. How would someone put you in your place? I don't know. That's between them and their attorney as well. Oh, interesting. No. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Speaking about what's fair, remember last week I was saying how Futurama's coming back? Did you hear all the did you hear all the stuff about that? I heard absolutely nothing about that. I I, I, I couldn't imagine caring less about well, John DiMaggio. In my life. What, John DiMaggio. What do John do? DiMaggio, he's the voice of Bender and like Fry and like or maybe not Fry, but he's no. the voice of a lot of people. Billy West is right. John yeah. DiMaggio, Bender, he uh, he's not coming back because he wants fair pay for all the people. So they're going to recast it, and people are going to say, hey, 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 it's not Futurama anymore if you're recasting these voice actors. So people got uh, pretty uh, prickly. Futurama owned by Disney now? 
Because it's Fox, uh, right? I mean, technically, yeah. Well, wow. actually, but I think this revamp is happening at Hulu, which I don't understand because Disney should own the rights. Or maybe it's they own the previous. I don't fucking know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. Oh, well. Nope. Yeah, Hulu now. Uh, no, I've heard, like, speaking of union struggles and such and labor stuff, uh, animator, yeah. animators get really f- fucked over in that regard. They they get these weird deals where, so you know how, like, with some series, they'll do, like, a season will be 43 episodes or something, mm-hmm. but that will take place over the course of, you know, three, four years. So mm-hmm. they'll they'll get whatever if the show's even how popular if the show becomes very popular, they'll just keep getting paid that same rate, even though, you know, years pass and it, mm-hmm. things like inflation happen, there's no cost of living adjustments. It's just like, no, that's your contract. You signed it when we started season one, but we will do subsequent mm-hmm. but it's like that's not how uh, it's necessarily uh put out there. Oh, it's it's like this weird loophole. And yeah. I, I never had heard about it. Then I saw someone on Twitter complaining about this. I'm one of the animators, and I was like, "Wow, what a what a shit show that is! What a what a great industry! Yeah. All industries are great, though. All all. Well, always. I mean, even look at us. We're we're technically in season one still, and we're what 400 episodes in. No, only what 282. Oh, only. Mm-hmm. Only. Yeah. Same thing. We're heading toward that big episode 300, though. Is that the one that Zack Snyder is going to come on for? Oh, it'll be a big surprise, RJ. Oh, yeah. Big, remember, that remember, out, okay. remember when we used to talk about big surprises? Oh, there's a big surprise coming up. Wow, Eventually, yeah. when this podcast stops coming out and we delete all of the social media and people will go, what happened to them? And we'll say, surprise. <laughs> people don't know well, if we're you, serious. You ruined it. Well, you can edit that out. <clears throat> I don't. I don't do that. Okay. Well, yeah. Any so Futurama. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Pay. Uh, pay. I mean, what are you gonna pay do? Pay the talent, you fucks. What do we get paid? Nothing. We get paid nothing. Yeah. Frig. Frig is right. right. Well, what what should we do then? Read emails. Uh yeah, we can do that. All two of them. Oh man. Well, you know, if this episode's under an hour, then. That's fine with me. Well, it's fine with me. You want to hear from Sam Loveland? The Love Machine? This this one's been uh, percolating since Monday. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What's he got? No subject. Hey, creeps. Doing something I don't think I've ever done before, which is send an email on a day that wasn't Wednesday. Feels really weird. Mm-hmm. Throwing an email into the void and not hearing a response to it on on pod a few hours later puts me in a state of uneasiness. This must be what communication mm. in the pre-internet days felt like. You would send someone a letter and not hear back or know if the letter was ever even delivered at all until yeah. weeks or months later. I only hope this email finds you too. <laughs> well, I found Jared at least. Yeah. I only got about half of that. So No. The you know. Super Bowl was yesterday. Like the relevant, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, the evil team LA won in the incredibly stressful last three minutes of the game, putting me yeah. down twenty bucks. Yeah, it happened. Can't wow. unhappen. Learning that the Super Bowl is even Washington, Canada, was very interesting. But I guess it makes sense since it's not like there's much going on up there, anyways. 
kidding. What does he mean by that? I guess Anglophone Canadians watch American movies and TV shows, so it makes sense they would watch the biggest American sporting event of the year. It's true. Mm. I mean, yeah, a lot of and, people and, do. And NFL's a pretty big deal up here. Yeah, people like it. And yeah, I'm not sure if it's uh, as big as hockey. I don't think it mm. is, but it's uh, it grows. It's it's like definitely the biggest like American export a sport. Probably, but so- Probably. soccer soccer's getting up there though too. Did I tell you about that thing I saw that that article where it was like, is I think I did. It was like, is Canada in danger of becoming a soccer country? Oh no! And I was like, I was like what do what do they mean in danger? <laughs> is this gonna get us if uh, if everyone's playing soccer up here? But I was like, what's the issue? <laughs> what, what's the name of that uh that instrument that they that that one uh one country? Vazuzels or whatever they were called, and it was like during the World Cup, and it was just that weird, like vibrating sound that, like, oh, just yeah. it was just like every time you'd be watching these games, like it was just like, it's like that's pretty cool. Do you remember that? I do. Am I, I do. yeah. I wish yeah. I can't remember what the hell it was, but I think uh, they I, were uh, theremins. <laughs> oh yeah, everybody's doing the didgeridoos. <laughs> Ah, I know Oliver Granger knows all about didgeridoos. Yeah, it's uh, from his home country, Australia. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, I, 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 that was it. Started, it kind of was a Scottish thing, and then, then what do just, you mean? Then, then it ended. <laughs> Australian. Boy. <laughs> Speaking of sports, the yeah. Olympics is also ongoing. I haven't been watching them, but people in my circle haven't been able to shut up about them since yeah. I and other friends of mine went to the same high school as a current gold medalist. What? I guess that means that, in a way, I'm also a gold medalist. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'll allow that. By, by extension. I'm going to allow it because a dude I went to high school with and junior high and played sports with for many years is on the Canadian bobsled team. So I, too, am in the Olympics by slams uh, logic. So I'm going to allow it. I'm going to allow it. Regardless, Jared's comment about seeing the man's body writhing on the slopes and the camera panning towards the audience's faces sent me down a rather (laughs) abstract train of thought, something I'd never thought about before. Mm-hmm. What if a sporting event or league, the Olympics, Formula One, you name it, allowed a prestige director to direct a match or even a full season? By uh, direct, I mean be in charge of the camera crew, the editing, the placement of cameras and shots, etc. Something like Formula One would lend itself rather nicely to this. I don't think a director would be able to impose a uh, personal vision very much in this context, given uh, how many moving parts there are, the complexity of the whole operation, and the need to present the action in a particular way. But I like, or I think the idea of someone with a certain artistic sensibility taking charge of the presentation of a sporting event is really interesting. Mm. This idea of auteurs working in a very constricted, well-oiled machine setting got me thinking of another idea, which is the concept of letting an auteurist or prestige filmmaker Mm. direct a Hallmark Christmas movie. This was an idea that was briefly discussed on another Canadian film podcast, The Important (gasps) Cinema Club. Yeah. There's no other Canadian podcast. Thank you. And it's one I haven't been able to get out of my head. The only real notable director I can think of who's done 
Hallmark Christmas movies is David DeCatau, and he's not exactly mm. a prestige auteur type. What are some filmmakers you think would be good in this role, or at least that you think would make something interesting, bad or good? So he meant David, like David Dakota? Yeah. Dr. Alien? Dr. Alien. Yeah, I mean, he'd be pretty cool. He made some Hallmark movies, but he made a lot of gay porn as well. So, like, that dude was all over the map. You know what I mean? Is. Oh, yeah, he's still creating movies, so. Yeah, he's not, he's not dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just mean he's, he's had a, he's got a wide range. He's had a wide range so far. Maybe he's found what his niche is now. Um, but uh, I'm going to say... Uh, Stan Brackage, I'd love to see make some uh, mainstream stuff. I'd love to see William Friedkin direct some Hallmark movies. Hey, he's still cooking. No. Right? He is. Yeah. I don't know if still I don't cooking. Know. Yeah. How, how about Paul Schrader directing Hallmark Christmas movies? I mean, isn't that what First Reformed is? <laughs> Affliction. <laughs> it's Affliction? It's, that's win- a, it's wintry. That's a Christmas movie. It's also a, uh, a Father's Day show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He knows what I mean. He knows. He knows what I mean. How about for the for the Sams out there? How about a uh, Jerry Lewis directing Formula One racing? Um, that would be okay. Yeah, I mean, you you don't even know what I'm talking about, but Formula One with Jerry Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen any Jerry Lewis movies. Yeah. but I would like to see him direct Formula One. Yeah. Would he be in one of the cars as he's well, directing? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, if uh, one could bring Tony Scott back from the dead, I mean, this would be the project. Mm. He'd, he'd I mean, get, that would be pretty he'd, good. He'd hop right out of that grave. I'd go. rather see Tony Scott do something else, though, like uh, water polo or something. Right. Because I feel, well, no, that's too and close and, to and, volleyball. And, 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 He's already done that. Water you know, polo. Archie. It's too close. It's too close to volleyball. Archie. He's already done that. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Something different. I don't know. I got to think about it. But it's got to be the whole event. The whole th- the whole everything. Yeah. The whole the, yeah. the the season, the playoffs. Uh who do you think would make a good Iditarod movie? You know the Iditarod? I don't. That's where it's like dog sledding across like the Arctic. I see. Well, hell. Who would make a good one of those like uh, uh Ver- Werner Ver- Herzog? Ver- yeah, I'm going to say Werner. <laughs> Werner Herzog. He said these people they're very happy, even it... though they live in the snow. Mm-hmm. That's my Warner. Uh, what, what, who would you get to direct the Tour de France? Tour de France? Um, well, that's like cycling's like kind of fast paced, but it's long. I mean, Wes, so... Wes Anderson got a start on it. He has that short film that's basically yes. about, like racing around uh, for, uh, Europe. So, my why not? I mean, it... he would be okay. I'd say Miles Teller, the actor. Let's get him to direct it. Oh, he's he's an auteur, I guess. Why? Well, what about your buddy Nicholas Winding Refn? I'm sure he'd love to do a Tour de France movie. He he could do like the uh, Olympic Village footage. Oh, and he said it's the greatest footage. It's the greatest movie ever made. Too mm-hmm. bad you won't see it. It'd be very sensual. I hope not. Yeah, lots of neon. I hope not. To cap off this already too long email, mm-hmm. I wanted to respond to Sam Sanchez's discussion of the decline Uh-oh. of his movie memory. Unless I'm just making things up, I'm pretty sure my film memory has also declined to the point where I notice it. 
I'm a young man, so I doubt it's anything serious at all. But it just seems like I find myself incapable of remembering what happens in movies more than I ever used to. Well, Sam, I mean, maybe you were asymptomatic, but maybe, maybe you got that brain fog. <laughs> I bet he's got more than just brain fog. You know what I mean? No, I don't. What do you mean? Explain. You know what I mean? What? I think he's fogging somewhere else, my man. Oh... I don't, Do you know what I mean? I don't know what you mean. It could be the fact that I'm very mm. busy, stressed in my life, or a myriad of other things. But it just seems like something I've been noticing more and more. Again, it could easily be confirmation bias or something like that. No. No. It's, mm, uh, no. You're, you're fucked, kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think he's got other kind of fog. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. You know what I mean, here? Also, I won't be entertaining your, or sorry, I won't be entertaining your friend's question. I will instead say that Jarrett is definitely an Elaine. An Elaine, like out of the Seinfeld characters. You, you, you nailed it. Did we talk about that last week? Remember, we were talking about Friends. Oh, right. Yeah, not in see, Friends see, though. See, see, speaking of uh, memories. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, friends. RJ, remember, uh, remember how you're, my, to- you're remember, a total remember, Ross. Remember when my one eye, I was I was seeing double vision and it was blurry. Remember that? I remember when you had styes and stuff like that. <laughs> Who could forget when you had styes? You know what I mean? <laughs> Anyways, thanks yeah. for your time and have a good show, Sam Slam Love Machine Loveland. Well, it's good to hear from the kid. Mm-hmm. I hope he keeps staying alive. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Hopefully, it emerges from that fog. The brain fog? Don't we all have kind of some brain fog? You know what I mean? It's it's this it's the in, it's the internet. Yeah, yeah. How often do you look at your phone when you watch movies? Depends on how shitty the movie is. Okay. That's that's. Yeah, I don't know if I could go back to the theater anymore because I like being able to not have to stare at the screen for two hours straight. Is that a good mark for a host of a movie podcast? Nope, that's not great. That's not a great sign. I've never tried to impress anyone. Yeah, what's going on on your phone that you have to look at it all the time? Nothing, literally nothing. It's the same shit over and over again. It's just a compulsion. <sighs> yeah, I, I you know, know what I mean. I know that one, but yeah, it's definitely stronger when uh, I'm not invested in what I'm looking at. But we'll get there because yeah. I did not have that problem the last few days. Holy shit. Well, what else we got? We got Justin Peterson. Beat. Unfinished business. Okay. Right. Hey, Jared and RJ. What's happening? Well, after being in a weird place last week, I am back and better than ever this week. I figure you mm. guys do all the hard work by watching these criterions each and every week, along with podcasting for four hours. So God willing... I can keep stringing a few sentences together for you guys to chat about weekly. Well, yeah, I mean, speaking mm-hmm. of like a of a fog, I mean, it seemed like we were about to lose Justin into the the Bellatar fog of mm-hmm. just of existential dread. That happens. No, that does happen. Mm-hmm. Where where's your dread he, existential he, he, most? He, he was a real touring horse. Mm, yeah, which horse? The uh, which horse? The Andre Rublev horse. The Turin horse. Oh, is that a special kind of horse? Yeah, that's a that's a movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. Thanks, JD, yeah. for calling me out about not mentioning the Oscar Best Picture nominations last week. So for the next few weeks, I will give my two cents about each nominee to give the show a pinch of Oscar coverage. Our uh, Oscar correspondent, Justin Peterson, live mm-hmm. at the red carpet in yeah. South Carolina. <laughs> First up is Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. This is a long one that clocks in at two and a half hours. Good God. Oh, (laughs) that's like the worst thing. Oh, damn it. (laughs) I didn't know. Oh, God damn it, GDT. Could you imagine watching that and not looking at your phone once in a while? Could you imagine? I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe it'll sweep me away. I really enjoyed this story of a guy with a dark past played by Bradley Cooper that becomes a very talented mentalist. There's also a solid performance from Willem Dafoe as a carny. Well, I mean... That sounds, that's, that's okay. that sounds pretty decent to me. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the eerie elements Guillermo includes along with this dark noir atmosphere. But unfortunately, I thought the ending did not work at all. But I would give this one a three and a half out of five. Ooh. Two and a half hours. Okay. You better uh, set yeah, aside I mean, the evening no. to check that out. Yeah, it's... that's a two-nighter in my books. No. I'd watch an hour and 15 and then uh, I'd probably wait a day or two to watch the rest. Mm-hmm. It's too long. Goat movie question of the week. You know who else is in Nightmare Alley? Tony Collette. So, what are your yeah. favorite movies she is in? She is pretty good in that indie classic no one has ever heard of, The Sixth Sense. Oh, is that an indie classic? Tony oh. Collette's not in that movie. In The Sixth Sense? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is she or not? I don't know. I don't. I don't. Even, I don't remember who's in the Sixth Sense. <laughs> I don't think it's Tony Collette. Let's find out. Okay, let's go. She Harari. is. She's not in the Sixth Sense. She is. What is she in the Sixth Sense? She's probably the wife, I would guess. Okay, well, Bruce Willis's last name is Crow. No, or is she the kids? No, she's the little Haley's mom. mom. Yeah. No, she's not. R.J. Wow. I'm telling you, she's not. This Are you going to believe the, this, me? This is this is the this is your brain. What are you doing over there in that fog? What are you doing in that fog? Listen, Tony Collette isn't in that movie, and saying that she is is borderline top billing. It's like that's it's kind of reckless for you to be talking like that. It's not good. Wow. My favorite. Are Tony you saying? Collette, are you saying Justin's fake news? I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying whoever's perpetuating this lie. Wow. I mean, he maybe got it from uh, from fake news letterbox casting IMDb. So if it's not her, so who plays? So who plays uh, Haley Joel Osment's mother? He doesn't have a mother, dude. He's dead. (laughs) That's what that movie's about. He was dead the whole time. Uh... (laughs) Do you get it? Uh, Bruce Willis is as Haley Joel Osment. Bruce Willis is Haley Joel Osment. Haley Joel Osment never existed. Have this you is a, RJ, have a you made up concept? Have you seen Sixth Sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From uh, M Night Shyamalan, it's a movie about Bruce Willis where it's he goes back or like his childhood version of him comes back to his adult version of him, and they learn to get along, and he learns a little bit about himself as he goes. That's a Sixth Sense. Okay. Yeah, my favorite Tony Collette movie, Jarrett. Have you ever heard of this 1993 animated film called The Thief and the Cobbler? Nope. This movie I got, it's got uh, Vincent Price, 
Donald Pleasance, Jennifer Beals, Matthew Broderick, Tony Collette. Uh, I got this movie in a box of cereal one time uh, on DVD, and I watched it. It was good. <laughs> and so that's going to be my pick. I am going to say, what do you think of that? I, th- I thought she was pretty good in Fright Night. As, She's good in Fright Night. Mom. And I totally forgot that she was in this movie that's not the sixth sense uh but uh, about a boy yeah she's getting about a boy no. she's getting about i a kind boy. of didn't even realize that was her yeah. all along i mean actually i do think she's really good in little miss sunshine that's a good show i, I like that show i saw it once it i was i thought it was okay and I, I don't remember anything about it other than alan arkin i liked it a lot but I, this was also 2016 uh or 2006 when I was 16, and uh, maybe it's uh, maybe it doesn't slap as hard. Mm. You know what I mean? Brian Cranston, Paul yeah. Dano, Steve Carell. Mm. What about Alan Ar- uh, Arkin? Well, I knew that's what I said. That's the only what thing about I re- Alan Arkin? That's the only thing I remember about Little yeah. Miss Sunshine. Well, Brian Cranston's only in it for like two seconds. But mm-hmm. Is it uh, some 2000... Six stunt casting before anyone cared about Breaking Bad. Yes, yes. Okay. And well, I, not stunt cast. I, yeah, it's just before anyone cared about Breaking Bad. That's right. I think. It's the re, it's the opposite of stunt casting. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Cool, yes. cool. And, and and of course, uh, she's also in Shaft. The the who could forget? Who could forget? And Changing Lanes, also with Samuel L. Jackson. Also, who could forget? Terrific show. Oh. Love it. I actually saw. I I think I rented that movie twice. I saw it in theater. I think I rented it once and I didn't actually watch it, and then I rented it again, and I went, "Oh." It made me made me not want to be a lawyer, RJ. It might have. Maybe it ruined my life. Did you want to be before that movie? I I honestly was like, maybe I could do uh, law because it came out in what two thousand two. At the time, I, I thought about it, then I saw that movie. I went, "Man, the law sucks." <laughs> I don't. It stinks. I, I don't know if you could have done that. No. Well, I mean, I don't know if you would have liked it. That's what I, I think... mean. That's why. That's why changing lanes changed the lane that I was in in my life. Okay. Mm, because it might. It might have been, uh, you know, driving toward disaster. Mm, it could. It could have saved me, or it could have ruined my life. Well, well, that, well, it's impossible to know. Go back. Try again. Try it again. In your life. Try your life again. Did it work? Foodie question of the week. Yes. Among the downsides of having kids is having to eat McDonald's way more than you likely want to or should. Oh, Arjo would disagree about that. So, wait, 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 wait. What is he trying to say here? Okay, wait, continue. So what would you order if we met up at the Golden Arches this evening? I would either go with a fish fillet or double quarter pounder. I used to like ordering their signature mushroom and Swiss burger, but they discontinued that. I also enjoy the McRib when it is back, and I do Mm. recall enjoying McDonald's so-called grown-up burger back in the day, the Arch Deluxe. So this is just McDonald's specialty items? Any, anything on the McDonald's menu, RJ? I get McDonald's all the fucking time. I know. Uh, you, my... you, we, we've been talking about Andrew and I. We're worried. 
Well, I mean, I don't get it all the time. You have uh, a. I haven't gotten it since they get... squished those onions on top of the bun. Oh, wow. That's a while. Because fuck those guys. <laughs> they showed uh, you. They did. Um, I usually get a couple McDoubles and some nuggets. That's my uh, That's my order. McDoubles are the best. If you don't get McDoubles, you're crazy because they're cheap and you can get a couple. Well, I would say I can't come tonight. Let's do breakfast and get myself a sausage and egg. Or... Who, you yeah. or JP? Me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, what about McGr- I, I do like McGriddles. Yeah, they're, they're bre- they're, yeah, their breakfast stuff is way better than I think yeah. their dinner you, stuff. You know what's actually the best Actually? Thing actually? tipping my fedora you know what's actually the best mcdonald's item is their pancakes have you ever had their pancakes i have and i'm good i like them no oh they're good no oh they're good (laughs) jeez you know there are there's better pancakes well i mean we make better pancakes at home but yeah I, i i just like the plasticky mcdonald like processed mcdonald's blank pancakes yum sounds great i one time, me and a couple buddies, we got 30 orders of those. And? and uh, we ate them all. And then what we, happened? We were fine. Okay. No, nothing bad happened as a result of it. We went through the drive-thru. We said, can we get 30 orders of hotcakes? And they went, 30? And we went, yes, please. We were very considerate. Now, did, we they, now did they tell you to drive through and park? Yes, we had to park because yeah. they had to make them all. And we said, we apologize. We should have called in. But we didn't have the time, and we need 30 orders, please. And uh, they were happy to help. And uh, we ate the pancakes all day, uh, and it was a good day. Went down in history. This this day, Jared, happened about 12 years ago, by the way. About 12 years ago. About. Maybe. So you're an adult. Actually, more. You, you 14 were, years so, ago. I mean, you were like an adult male. I was like 18 at the time. Yeah, an adult male. Yeah, I was a legal male. I could have went to the war if I wanted yeah, you could you could have been conscripted. Uh, you could have went to Granada. S- smoking cigarettes indoors. Oh yes, that was happening. There was no fedoras or cassavetes, but uh, oh, there's definitely those, those things. Those time. things. Those things definitely existed. Well, they existed, just not in my life, is what I mean. Yet, not not quite. Yeah, yeah. you're you're about I don't know two months out from that. Like currently, you mean? Mm-hmm. So in two months, you think I'm going to be smoking indoors and watching Cassavetti? With a fedora. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That goes without saying. Hotcakes. That's my answer. Game talk. So yeah. what we're actually saying is we're not we're not doing dinner, Justin. I'm sorry. We'll meet you for breakfast. We're, we'll meet you for ha- breakfast. Have, have some of that McCafe coffee. Ooh. McCafe is not that bad. I don't get it from them, but I like to buy the McCafe beans. Those are actually not bad. Mm. Same beans as Starbucks, in case you didn't know. Same beans. Okay. Game talk. Yeah. I must say I'm really excited to watch some TV with family tonight since we will be watching The Amazing Race, the Jeopardy College Tournament, and back-to-back episodes of The Chase. Are these different things? The the Amazing Race and The Chase? I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, neither one of us have TV. (laughs) We don't have TV. I I have no idea what's on television unless it streams. Uh And it'll be like five years from now, and it'll be like references to, I don't know, 2017. Things that don't exist anymore. No. Yeah. Uh, like freedom. Since the pandemic, oh it feels God. like <laughs> we are back in a new golden age for game shows, especially with the return of classics like Supermarket Sweep. 
So, do you have any memories of watching game shows over the years? And do you have a uh, unique one in Canada? Do, no. Do do well. Remember, like Kid Street. Did you just, yeah. Okay. Was that on when you were a child? Oh. Not not Kid Street, but do you know Uh Oh? No. You know the Uh Oh Canada show. I'm going to send you a link to this Uh Oh Canada, because Uh Oh was the only game show I knew. And it was a Canadian show, and it was like, uh oh. And then if you got a like, it was kids competing against each other. And oh, there it is. A, when you would get a question wrong, did you find it? Yeah, it, it was YTV. It looks like. And when you'd get a question wrong, a dude in like Bane from DC Comics, Bane would come and dump slime on you. Man, check out. Do you do you the, see the Bane? Check out Pitfall. Holy shit. I'll check out Pitfall. This is like from 1981 to 82. It was short-lived. And it's not to be confused with the video game, which is like the only thing that seems to pop up. But this like set is, uh, I don't know. It it is so cool. Oh, is that Alex Trebek? Maybe. Maybe. Before before we leave, uh oh, I just want to say that the the Bane characters. I was like looking, I'm like, that looks like... uh, Trebek? Like kind of a rocking that 70s porno guy look. Uh, What do you mean? You'll see what I mean. Type in pit, Pitfall 1981. Pitfall. Pitfall 1981. Doing a Google search. Doing it right. And look at images. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's Trebek. Yeah, look at that. You know what I mean? This was before my time. Well, no, it was before my time. <laughs> no, you were born. What was? Yeah, you were uh, three years older than you think you are. Oh, potentially. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know this show, but that is Trebek. It is. I was like, wait a minute, what, yeah. what the deuce? Okay, so the the game shows I know. Yeah. Uh oh, there was the Bane guy. His name was the Punisher, and the host Jarrett. His name was Wink Yahoo. Did you, huh. did you did you get a, a picture of these two guys? I the Punisher. I haven't yet. Or did you message? I did. Them? I did not send it to you. But Sorry, he, I'm I'm looking at um, other game shows. Oh, did you do you remember It's Alive, the game show? The, the, not the Canadian really. What's that one was what, what's really interesting? Interesting is uh, yeah. a lot of these shows all started maybe during the game show boom, and then they all end, like were ending in like eighty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they either like yeah, the, there's a game, there's a show there's a game called Party Game with this okay. Dick old looking Dick Clark guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this oh, oh Bert Bacharach was did the uh, comp- was the composer. For it, mm. ah, from Hamilton, Ontario. What a yeah, Billy Van. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about Billy Van. I don't know either. But I'm just I'm learning. Well, on this they've got Man Tracker on this list as well. Mm. I, I guess that is a form of uh, show that kind one, of. one is on the run from a man tracking you. Could be. I think people know about Man Tracker outside of Canada. Yeah, that that got. I mean, that got pretty big. I think. I think. I think Mantracker uh, Tra- got pretty big. Sp- Splat a lot. Yeah, Splat a lot. I remember Splat a lot. Was video and arcade top ten? Was that just a, a variety show? 
Do you remember that well, one? Well, they, they had like three kids. They'd be all playing the game at the same time, and then the winner would yeah. win. Like, a, I think it's like they were playing for a free rental in Toronto Ooh. or uh-huh. wherever they filmed that. I mean, that's a, that is a good way to go about it, free rental. Hmm. Yeah, uh-oh, it's alive. Do you remember Beat the Geeks? Was that a Canadian show, or was that American? Not sure. Do you remember? Do you know that one? No. It was Beat the Geeks. There was four real geeky dudes, and one was like the TV geek. One was like the movie geek. There was always a, the Star Trek geek. And it was basically, it was like a Jeopardy-type show where it was like a question. And then it was, you, you'd ask one of the geeks... And he'd be like, Star Trek geek. And then it would be a Star Trek question. And then you guys, like, buzzed at the same time. Beat the Geeks was a cool show. What about uh, Win Al Stein's Money? Uh, Do you remember that show? Wow. Or Ben Stein. Ben Stein. Okay. Uh, I'm going to send this to you because... Is it Beat the Geeks? I I don't know if this will hit your nostalgia bone like it did mine, but uh, this is a, a clip uh, it's like actually a full episode of Kid Street, but the very first couple frames of it uh, are the old local television station two and seven. Mm-hmm. If you see, you see, you see this, you see what's going on here. I don't see it. Oh, I just sent it. Oh, I sent it to you via Skype. Oh, let me see. Oh, let me see. Okay, wait, hold on. This has got audio, doesn't it? Yeah, but I was mostly just with that first graphic, the two and seven logo. I wonder if you remember that at all, or if it was gone mm-hmm. by the time you uh, became. Two and seven. I wasn't sentient. Yeah. Okay, damn. That's unfortunate. Yeah, that is uh, for uh, us old locals. Mm. Uh, that that is uh, was, is very like wow. I haven't seen that forever. I haven't seen that at all. You, you could probably send that to. Uh, your older siblings, and they'd, they'd go, probably know. They'd go, damn, and they would know Kid Street. Yeah. Because this show ended in 1992, and you were two? Don't don't give out my age. Yes, I was two years old at the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that at all. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Justin also says, I remember how Family Feud had that, 70, that old 70s-looking set for the longest time. Crazy how the price is right, and let's make a deal every morning on CBS. I used to match Love. I used to watch Love Connection for some reason after school. And finally, I had a blast watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire when it was first hosted in prime time by Ooh. Regis. Not Regis Velvet, just Regis. I mean, I do, I do kind of like that. I do too. Regis, up uh, until next time. Wait, wait. Yours and creeping, big Russia boy, J Money Peterson. I, it's good to hear from J Money Peterson. Glad to have you I got, back. I, got, I, <laughs> I, I, I have a few things I need to mention about Beat the Geeks because I've went down a wormhole here. So some guest uh, hosts from Is Beat Cisco the Geeks. in there. Cisco is not in there, but Coolio was a guest host at one point. So this show aired from in 2001, 2002. Uh, and some guest hosts included Coolio, Will Wheaton, Jerry Springer, Hugh Hefner, mm-hmm. and Lloyd Kaufman was also a host at one time. So the regular geeks were movie geek, TV geek, music geek. Uh, and then guest geeks were horror geek, South Park geek, James Bond geek, Star Trek geek comic book geek geek simpsons geek. I, I like comic book geek Con- comic book geek simpsons geek playboy geek michael jackson geek star wars friends hip-hop sopranos geek 
Planet of the Apes Geek, Wrestling Geek, and then here's one for you, Jarrett, Mr. Skin Geek. <laughs> so nudity in movies geek. He yep. only had two episodes, apparently. Only two. Only two. But the uh, oh, Mr. Skins, like that's the the lamest oh, yes. of them all. It's like ah, oh, in this frame, I can see uh, Kate Winslet. <laughs> half of a boob. She, she she gets it out, boys. She got half a boob. Like yeah, that. and uh, it's like now uh, human flesh is plentiful online. You don't even have to go looking for it. You just have to do a search on Instagram. You get all sorts of things that show up. You don't even up. have to search. It'll just no. pop up. No, you just literally you click search, and then a whole bunch of recommendations pop up, and you're like, whoa. You say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't what I had in store. Like, I, I have no idea where that came from, Austin. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. So game shows, eh? Game shows. You remember uh, Price is Right? I, yeah. I, I like Price is Right when I was a kid. I, yeah, I, Price thought, is right. I thought the set was really cool. I like the the fonts. It was cool, but I, I only watched it when like you're at home sick and there's nothing else on TV. So you'd watch like Price is Right and Wheel well, and stuff. I, I find it weird though because like I think the, the last time I ever saw it, I think like because now Drew Carey's the host and he yeah, but he's like unrecognizable. Well, he lost a lot of weight. I think he was uh, his hair's all different. Co- Getting close to the health thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is like you're almost out, bud. I mean, so yeah, we had Bob Barker, but when I try to like sort of understand what the rules are, like where you have to be above or below, I, I'm not clear anymore. Makes mm-hmm. no sense. But what about that Wheel of Fortune? Yeah, I mean, I watched it a little bit. I, I didn't much care for it, but when I was you, <laughs> didn't didn't much care for it. <laughs> much, well, I was a little kid. Five out of five out of ten. Yeah, if it was on, I'd watch it. Like, it, I mean, that's what I mean. If I was homesick, there was nothing else on. Yeah. So it was on, but I didn't much care for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And were, were you part of the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire audience? Watching for like that, a season, watch, watch for like a season or two, and when, then and then I bailed. I think that's when everybody was uh, down with the clown. Yeah. First season was pretty big for everyone, and then and then we all bailed. Yeah, I think. Watch Survivor. Yeah, for a couple seasons. A couple seasons. Mm-hmm. I bet you did. Yeah, yeah, love love connection, no idea. Never there wasn't really something that was going on up here that I was aware of. Uh let's make a deal. Not that either. But yeah, it's definitely price is right. Mm. What if the price was wrong, asshole? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You remember that one? Do you remember? Jackass. There you go. There you go. Okay, well, that's it for emails, eh? That is it for emails. Okay. A twofer. Well, we've still been talking for two hours somehow. 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 One hour. Come on. Well, we were here for half an hour before. Yeah. That's but that was, uh, that's... there were things going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Things. The, the plot was thickening. Yeah. People will never know what was really happening. The real story. No, people will never know. Never know. So, RJ, how, yes. how, how do you feel uh, that you're living in a historical moment? No, I've never felt that. Okay. Well, as you know, though, th- there is nothing that is real. Right. Everything is fake. Right. <laughs> nothing is real, dude. So it doesn't matter what you think. If you think that we're living in a historical moment or not, mm-hmm. it's not real. Okay. It's not real. It's not real. Not real. It's, it's, is it a simulation? No, it's just it's not a simulation. It's just none of this is. It's just none of this is real. 
we're all just gonna like return to dust man and like nothing's gonna matter man you know go get back in the cloud rj you ever wonder if like the stars are just god's salt and like he's just waiting to eat us with that all being said rj um yes what you've been creeping on this week uh i watched a couple movies actually nothing you'd want to hear about but i watched a couple i gotta mention too the uh the demand for the millennium and the enterprise talk is uh increasing daily by one (laughs) hey no one's ever demanded us watch anything else other than criterions that we will that they just don't understand how the show works so well (laughs) do you you know what i mean yeah the demand is a hundred percent more than we've ever gotten Mm mm-hmm so there's that. We got that going for us. Well, I see yeah, you watch some some cinema, some some home team, whatever that is. And you watch <laughs> I Want You Back, which looks like it's got Charlie in it. Yes it does. Yes it um, does. Directed... And uh, Clint Eastwood's son. Ugh. Is that a good thing? I mean he's fine. He he plays like a like a machismo exercise guy, so what 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 is Jenny Slate? What is Jenny Slate? She was um she was Marcel the Shell. She was like an internet celebrity for a long time, and she does kind of like voice acting. She's in Parks and Rec. She's John Ralphio's sister, um, and she was married to Chris uh, Evans, Captain America. She was married to him for a long time, but was. they are no longer married. W- was they're no longer married. I see. She does a lot of voice work. She does a lot of voice work. Yeah, or most famously, because uh, like yeah, Zootopia, Venom, Batman movie, Venom. Just, Venom, Venom. Oh, I think she's like a doctor. Is she the one who goes, it's a symbiote. Symbiote. It's such an animated movie, Venom. Mm. Maybe, maybe, I thought maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe someone else. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, this is, what's this, Pets? The Secret Life of Pets. Mm. What a horrible poster. Uh, that was a big movie the, for a while. The Lorax. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Despicable Me 3. Uh, there was a Pets 2. There's an Alvin and the Chipmunks movie. Wow. I know. She was in a lot of stuff. But hey, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Do you want to hear about Home Team, the Happy uh, Madison production? Adam Sandler's not in this one. If but I, Rob Schneider is. If I don't consent to you telling me. So Rob Schneider, he was a guy in a movie. This is a Kevin James film, Jared. And would you believe it's based on a true story? No. So Kevin James plays uh, Sean Payton, uh, former coach of uh, New Orleans Saints. And uh, this took place about, I don't know, 10 years ago, um, where uh, there was a big thing about how he was he was encouraging his players to hurt other players and something. So he, he got put on like a year probation. Something like this actually happened. I can't remember. Uh, I, I actually I do keep track of football sometimes, but I can't really remember what it was. So uh, this guy goes on probation. So he goes home to where uh, he's been a deadbeat dad for a long time. And uh, his son's playing football. So he starts to coach his son's team, Jerry. And, man, once you know, they're the worst team in the league. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Um, This movie is not good. (laughs) And it's not even like, I don't know. I I do get some enjoyment out of, like, Adam Sandler produced stuff uh, where it's like there's enough of the guys there. Like, this one does have a lot of the the regular dudes. You know what I mean? It's got Kevin James, Rob Schneider, uh, his wife and daughter are in it. Um, 
I don't know, some of the other dudes that are typically in Adam Sandler movies, but uh, just um, just not great. It's kids, kids sports movie, which there's way better kids sports football movies. Little Giants, that movie's awesome. So home team, it's not great, Jared. It's not great. Not not good. But it's a Netflix original film. Oh well, there you go. And uh, I want you back is a Amazon Prime original film. Oh my oh. So uh, yeah, Charlie. So Andy was like, "Should we watch this?" And I was like, "Charlie Day could be good." No. Well, well, you don't like Charlie Day? I, him being in a movie doesn't mean fucking anything at well, this, all. This, this movie's well, okay. How, how much heavy lifting do you think he was doing in uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim? Oh, baby. He tried, he tried his fucking best, okay? He really tried. I wonder how good he was in Hotel Artemis. <laughs> is that an Artemis Fallow movie? What is that? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, all I gotta say is he tried his best. All right, this movie's not bad. I mean, I would never recommend it to you. It's just about two people who get dumped and then they become friends with each other and then they're trying to get their exes back. And hey, Jared, wouldn't you know that in the process, maybe they start to like each other? <sighs> Pretty wild, hey? What a twist! What a twist! Uh, it's okay. It's not. Um, in terms of these movies, it's not great, but uh, it was an hour and a half. So, it had that going for it. Oh, and I watched Aziz Ansari's uh, thirty-minute special. I like Aziz Ansari; he's pretty good. No, his special's okay. It's got some good stuff. It's got some just whatever stuff. But uh, I like Aziz. Uh, Aziz. He's a he seems like a nice guy. You know what I mean? Roger, why don't you tell me about Millennium season one? Holy shit! Do you actually want to hear about Millennium season yeah, one? You got your notes right there. It's on my fucking phone, bud. That's a, that's what we call a curveball. Well, I wouldn't have talked about any of that other horse shit if I knew we were going to be talking about Millennium. Well, I mean, all, all I have to talk about is Jackass. Oh, well, do you want to talk about Jackass well, there's before no, there's, I talk there's, about Millennium? There's not much to talk about. I mean... Okay. Uh, well, tell me about Jackass, Well, because i got to okay. find yeah, my notes you do it. Okay. So, you're familiar with Jackass. Have you watched, yes. like... 2.5 and 3.5 like all the the, inter- uh, the like kind of like off cuts i haven't watched the point fives but i've seen all the movies and i've seen lots of the tv as well yeah i i completely forgot i ever watched jackass presents bad grandpa i logged it 2014 i have absolutely no memory of it uh, yeah. apparently i gave it three and a half out of five which is pretty good i don't know if it would hold it's up it's not bad that's that's not too bad. It's not bad. I think it's because I really like. I think I've always been really impressed with the makeup. The old man. That's like some top shelf. It's pretty good. Old man makeup on uh, yeah. on uh, Johnny Knoxville. I think Johnny Knoxville is a pretty decent actor. Uh, I think yeah, he's in, good. in the stuff like in the stuff that he shows up in, he's fine. Um, and yeah, so I remember watching Jackass the way that most uh, young men like myself did in the the, the late 90s. It, mm-hmm. it, it really uh, was part of the zeitgeist of rude and crude. Yeah. You're, you're watching your South Parks. You're watching some Jackass. You're watching some Tom Green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? All good stuff. Er, 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 everything's a little raunchy. A little raunchy. It's like, oh, you, you, might, you might see some crazy stuff. You see people get hurt. Like and, wild and, and crazy? Wild and crazy. 
Was there any standout bit? And don't forget a little bit of WWF. It's oh yeah, there was always some, some of some, that. Some WCW. Yeah, there's always some of that. You know? Yeah, all all attitude era stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah, you know, there's always friends that had their jackass tapes, uh, their their bootlegs from MTV. And uh, you're watching those and being like, oh, man, I can't. But then there's always, like, interspersed with boring-ass skater footage, which I was always like, oh, I want to get past this stuff. Mm -hmm. I I, I want the antics. So then one day you get a Jackass, the movie, where it's just more, more of the same with all the, all the, with the boys, the Jackass crew. And uh, I, I saw, I've seen. Everyone in theater, every single one of the Jackass movies in theater. So I don't know if every I'm one? every single one, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I'm going to uh, make it to the theater to see. Uh, was it Jackass Forever, the fourth one, the one that's out now? Yes. Yeah. I, I do. I have to go to the theater to see it to complete it to complete my the cycle because I gotta yeah. say I think this is perhaps one of the best film franchises in movie cinema history. A lot of people have been talking about lately about when the fact that this does warrant a Criterion release. And, like, unironically, they're like, no, this actually should be in the Criterion because it is historically relevant or it's socially and culturally relevant. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, there's a whole lot of bullshit in the collection. So, I mean, anything can go in. There is, Mm -hmm. uh, other than the whims of one John Criterion, um, anything goes. Hmm. I mean, there is, like, watching it now, uh, there's some stuff where you go, in, like, what, what, I wonder what these guys think about the world nowadays. And I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm curious how 4 goes, but I haven't seen anybody say, oh, boy, it's, it's, uh, it's as bad as you'd expect. It's like, no, it seems like uh, it's a, it's, these, these, these are guys that just like to hang out with each other and humiliate one another at one another's expenses, but they're all in on it. It's all it's all for the love and a lot of back a lot, a lot of hugging and laughing. Uh, Johnny Knoxville's yeah. got one of the biz, most bizarre laughs. Uh, always has, like where it's like I'm dying laugh. It's the best. It's the best. I'm in danger laugh there's ever been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he. That's that's why he's lovable, right? You're just like, look at this guy. Yeah. He is dying, but he's, <laughs> he's but he's having fun event. doing it. He's everyone's dying, and but he's he seems to be really okay with it, and just yeah, going along with it as they, I don't know, they're they're very comfortable with one another. The yes, uh, I guess the, the it's like man, I've never seen such displays of just uh, uh, homoeroticism in like something that was like so embraced by mm-hmm. people that maybe don't don't think of it that way. At the time when they were watching it, uh, it's like man, these guys really like uh, putting stuff up each other's butts and uh, yes. gazing at each, other, each other's genitals and, and helping each other out. You know, being like, "I'm wearing this fat suit and I just I can't pee. I'll ruin my costume." So you know what? I know what a friend is, RJ, a real friend. They go right in there. They're getting right in there and like, "I'll get you out, buddy. I'll get that peeing out there so you get a street going." He's like, "I'm not okay. getting a good flow. My my balls are all caught up." He's like, "Yeah, I'm here for you, bro. I'm gonna help you get your balls out, and I'm gonna make sure that you're able to pee and clear the the, the outfit." That's that's real commitment and friendship, you know. Well, Jared, I gotta ask you a question. Have you ever seen Wild Hogs? I have not. I've heard. Because... I've heard. I've heard nothing but great things. 
it's it's uh, just like wild hogs jackass is it's kind of about male bonding hmm. you know what i mean but male bonding is so, not real well that's the only thing in the world that is real oh. everything is not real but oh. male so bonding f- female bonding not real women well, aren't, real, aren't but real. Men, male bonding is real i see yeah, females aren't real. We're, I think we're males we're, aren't real. I mean, this is some, but male bonding is real. This is confirmation of so many things. Well, Jared, love is real as well, but that's it. Uh, love is real, and male bonding is real. Interesting. But those are the only two things. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, Mi- yeah. So you're a jackass, man. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yep, I am. Uh, I I watched two point five and three point five, which I'd never seen before. Yeah, I thought two point five was. Good. I've seen some people are down on it, saying it's uh, I don't know, not that great. But I did like the interviews, mm-hmm. um, and it's got the amazing bit where they're trying to poof. They're trying to use talcum powder and fart, yes. and the the trials and tribulations of trying to achieve this effect um, mm-hmm. with one with one with one wee man uh, scene where he's trying. Real hard, and he's like, oh, "I think I think there's some real poop coming out," and sure enough, there's you see this little white, this little white powdered little poop, <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> it's way too much. You have, you were having fun. <laughs> I was hey? laughing too much, and then and then of course, uh, cause I'd never seen this this installment. Mike Judge shows up, uh, and oh, there there fun. there he is with the um, the uh, fireplace bellows, and he's yeah. uh, putting this up um, Preston's ass. Because they're trying to get the poof right, they're trying to puff it up, and then they're like, "Man, it's just it's not working." So it's like, "We got a straw here. Who wants to blow into the straw in Preston's ass?" And it's like, "Well, that's Steve-O. <laughs> so Steve-O, always prepared." And yeah, and so <laughs> you can't like, how can you like? You're just watching this scene where there's like eight guys all standing around, and they're like, "Oh, here's our friend." Uh, this big hefty man he was just like yeah we're trying to get the puff down like we're trying to get this shot of mm-hmm. farting and like a puff happening but ah uh, we're, we're having some difficulties let's all watch this we've got nothing else better to do and there's men and there's people filming you yep. and mike judge is there and like of course like this wretchedness of this whole process of blowing to a man's ass with a straw so that he can generate enough force to fart out and puff out talcum powder and then it erupts unexpectedly and so this man gets farted in the face and he has to proceed to go vomit violently outside um you you can't you just have to go uh why isn't this in the criterion collection already (laughs) why isn't there it's artisan film craft and jared who hasn't been there and so like what do you like off the top of your head without like think looking about it Looking it yeah. up or anything, what's your what's the best stunt you remember from the Jackass films? Okay, I'll have to think for a second. But before we move down, you've seen the Kenny versus Spenny where two can blow the biggest fart, right? I probably the, have. The bike pump in, in the butt. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because that is super effective. That's what they had to do. Right. Um, <laughs> Jackass, I, I honestly, I can't even, uh, I can't even really picture a ton of them. When I think of Jackass, I think of Bam Margera uh, <laughs> and his dad. Oh, and, his, uh, and the his slapping, uncle. slapping him on the toilet. On the toilet, that one I think about that. A that lot. And it's so like I don't know. It's so it, borderline it's just a random thing. It, it, it's so like mean in some it ways. Is. It's kind it's of really mean. And, but like I think what's the funniest bit is like 
Phil, his dad, just kind of no sells it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you're he's getting." Like, he's like, "You're getting crazy," and he starts going. He just goes back to read his newspaper. <laughs> that, that that I think I think that like part. yeah, that's the best part. I think that's what because otherwise it's like it is very funny. It's, this is, this man goes the shit down, and then his uh, son. <laughs> Kicks yeah. down the door of his camera crew and just proceeds to start slapping his dad Rip and then his like shirt tearing off. His shirt off. Oh yeah, I know. It is like it is so funny, but like this time out, I was like, oh, it's it, so it it's mean. so mean. It but then, he, like, but his dad, like Phil, is so into this by like as because like it's also like, hey, my son like is drives a Lamborghini, like this, like he's doing great and he's tormenting my my wife and I but we're all like yep. i mean they destroy the house sometimes but it gets fixed uh there, oh there is also uh when they made the uh, ski slope on the stairs of the oh right uh, <laughs> yeah. just it's like because she walks in there's this this ski slope it's like she's like oh bam what what are you doing and then like just like i can't remember who it is if it's like dave ellery or uh, one of the other ones and they just like immediately just jump off and start skiing <laughs> and he goes flying down the ramp and just out the front door and just the sound of the door <laughs> just smashing <laughs> it's just it's like it's so funny see that that one is really <laughs> good um that one's really good i always really like the opening to i think jackass 2 with the gigantic shopping cart that i that's I one liked. that's actually the oh, first that's one. number one yeah oh, okay i think I, so. I always like that a lot um fireworks out of buttholes i think was good oh that's steve and, and uh, oh actually fart, that's both of them yeah and then the fart helmet is also good where it's the fart tube co- hooked up to someone else's head oh, and the the man and, and the man shits as well oh. And just so much. He accident. He accidentally shits himself in the oh. in the funnel. Oh, it's, it's, oh, so, it's so rancid. No, uh, the, okay. The, the absolute sickest one is the uh, sweatsuit cocktail. Oh yeah, Th- that, that one. one that is gross. that is so gnarly. Um, and weirdly enough, I think like the most amazing stunt I think is the uh, the porta potty. Uh, yeah. slingshot with yeah. Stevo because it's like really well executed. Because that's like the, I think Jackass 3D is the best one, and I mm-hmm. I still stand that Jackass 3D is the best 3D film I've ever seen. Yeah, in theater, yeah. and that's uh, fair. Yeah, it's it's uh it's got some good it's good they don't overdo it with the 3D, but there's some good mm-hmm. some good bits, and uh, mm-hmm. that scene is like pretty amazing. And that's that's the movie too that's got the ongoing gag with the in the porta potty. There's like the exploding blue bomb. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's so good. Na- it's so weirdly good natured at times because like mm-hmm. they come out and they're just like, "You got me!" Like there's <laughs> there, there's a spirit of like, like sometimes people get pissed. Like if they're not in yeah. the right mood, uh, they they do get really mad, but they seem to like eventually they cool off. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, three also has the the Rocky series. Which is Bam running up behind somebody with the uh, the phantom camera, and yeah. then he he throws water on one side of their face, and then on the other hand he's got the boxing glove as he comes yeah. swinging in and slow. Oh, those are pretty good. Then, but he, when he goes to do it on Jeff Tremaine, that's when they've set him up and they've got the the snake pit ready to go for all oh, for poor because Bam is terrified. Snake, yeah. And then of course the thing that's a real bummer is uh, remembering that Ryan Dunn. Uh, yeah, he died. Uh, like he did oh, die. He died yeah. in a horrific car accident, going 130 miles per hour. Yeah, um, that wasn't for the show, though, right? No, that was just, no, that yeah. was uh, that was a accident uh, or whatever, yeah. whatever it was. It was drunk driving, as uh, 
Roger Ebert made some shitty joke about way back when, and people dumped real hard on him for that. Yeah, Ebert's a bad dude. I've been saying this for years. Ebert's a bad dude. Uh, he is. So he is, genuinely, so yeah, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan Dunn. No more. And I think there might have been another member that was also like got like a in memory of special little special thing at some point. And yeah. but then yeah, recently, uh, Bam is uh, mm. he's in, he's in, he's in hard times. Hard times and Did you ever see that interaction with Hulk Hogan when Hulk Hogan's like, Miss you, Bam, rest in peace. And then Bam <laughs> replies, He's like, Not dead, brother, but miss you too. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. So I'm, 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 I'm sure I'm, I'm so depending if if what we're talking about sounds appealing to you, uh, check it out. And I think we've done a job of uh, give, telling you exactly what Jackass is. And if you, I think if you're like, know. I'm not a fan, you're, you're not a fan. I don't know if the the gross out stuff. I don't know if I could tolerate it anymore because I'm, I have a softer stomach now than I used to. So <laughs> I don't know if I could tolerate it anymore. But Jackass is good fun. Yeah, and then there is like I think in the second one there is like a lot of different stuff involving some animals. Now there's like yeah. no, there's no like anything that happens to the animals but it is kind of but it's kind of like is this necessary particularly particularly there's particularly one involving uh a cat a kitten cat but it's like involving um oh what's his name uh chris he's doing because he's doing the thing with the 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 mouse like puppet on his penis yeah, I and that. and it didn't yeah. work. It didn't work because the kitty just wanted to like it was like covered in catnip, so the cat was yeah. just rubbing himself on this mouse puppet, and it's like, well, right. this isn't. I'm like, wh- why did you even think this was a good idea? Like, That's something that should have been in the TV show that wouldn't have made it into a movie, you know? And because it was yeah, like, it's, yeah, they, there's other things they've done were involving like scorpions and uh, or the wood yes. or a woodpecker, but, sea cucumbers. Oh yeah, that that was that was like one of those like ah. Uh, children well some of that stuff is for like 13 year old boys and jackass too right yeah because that's what that whole show is pretty for. much it speaks to your inner 13 year old boy yeah yeah because uh, boys are crazy jared boys gr- are crazy and gross and gross and yes. not real boys are not real male bonding might be real mm-hmm. but boys are not real jared yeah Boys are not real. So that's how I spent uh, my viewing this week. Good. Uh, good it wasn't exactly good. what I had planned. Mm-hmm. Are we watching Peacemaker this week? Maybe. So it's, it's uh, over. It wraps up on Friday. So it's all okay. all eight episodes or whatever are done. So We're I don't know. To... I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but uh, I could probably figure it out uh, for sometime early next week. Yeah. Well, I I don't know if I could get it done in the week. Because Andrea might want to watch it too, but we are, um, I was going to tell you, we're four episodes into Yellow Jackets. And? I think it's worth watching. Cool. I, uh, that, so I've, far, I've, but I'm only four episodes. How many episodes is it again? Ten. Okay. Well, I, I might be able to, I think I think I might be able to, to make that happen. I, I, think... I, I, I can uh, I can get some someone aboard of that. I, I don't know for certain. I think you would really like parts of it mm-hmm. and then i think a lot of it you're gonna go mm. there's a like it is a 90s sweat jared and there's lots of music and i actually liked how they use the music in it but i don't know i don't know if you'd just be is, like ah, it's too much it's not like fear street levels no 
Yeah. Well, that's no, why, that's no a... this is actually good. I, I actually do like how they do it. And uh, um, I don't know. It's, I like, I think you've, you, you know what Yellow Jacks is about, kind of. Yeah, I've seen the trailer. Yeah. Lord of the Flies type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, four episodes in. I, I like it. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure where they're going to go, but I think there's a lot of stuff you like. Like woodland horror type stuff that oh, yeah. I think you're a fan of. I, I like that a great deal. Yeah, yeah. So four episodes in. So far, so good. And uh, we're hoping to, this weekend, hoping to put some damage on that. But I was going to wait to tell you until we were a good bit in because I know you could blow through it faster than I could. Yeah, you should. So if I, if I told you on Saturday that we were watching are they, it. Now, are, they, are these hour-long episodes? They are hour-long episodes. That's uh, yes. That's a lot to bite off. Yes, that's 10 hours, my friend. I, 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 well, okay, yeah. And that's, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and so, like, a couple of nights, like, we'll only watch, like, the last couple of nights, we just watched one. Because Andrew's like, that's all I can take for this show for right mm, now. Okay. She likes it. She's like, but she's like, what's just one? And we'll watch something a little lighter. Okay. I'm like, okay. All right. Well, we'll, uh, that might be discussed next week yeah. then. But then, yeah, Peacemaker for sure. Where that was, it was a coin toss. I said, do you want to watch Yellow Jackets or Peacemaker? And she said, let's do Yellow Jackets first. So we'll do Peacemaker next. Okay. Ideally. It's the plan. It's the plan. Or watch the Madam Curtis documentaries. I mean, I could do that, but I'm I'm almost done Phantom Pain, the main series story, and uh, I'm like eight or nine episodes into Enterprise now. Ooh. So I'm actually rolling. I'm rolling. <laughs> I got some Scott Bakula in, in there, and I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too much. I want people. <laughs> I don't. I don't want people to know what I think about Enterprise yet. <laughs> But I have opinions, man. I bet you do. I have opinions. Much like Millennium. <laughs> if, you, if you still want to hear about that. What or if we, we should put a um, pin. I don't know. I don't know. My, get, let, come on. Let, hey, in the, the words of bad internet people, let her rip. Let her rip. Okay, my one before we start. Is this going to be a Patreon thing? Are you are you going to edit this out, or are we just going to let this leave this in? Well, we, we, I, we, I don't care either way. I'm just curious. <laughs> well, um, this we'll, 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 we'll leave it in, and we'll leave it in, and then this will be like a teaser, and then they'll like they'll get season one for free, and season then one? and then season like two and three they'll have to pay for. That's how you. That's how you Beautiful. get them. Beautiful. Yeah. See, I like that's, it. That's capitalism. That is capitalism. I, I heard. Okay. I, I heard. It's, I heard it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Ever. For for the people who aren't in the unless, unless you're unless you're on the top of the pyramid and we're RJ we're starting a new pyramid we're starting a new pyramid yeah. so there's nothing but the top guys <laughs> you, you got to hear about this wait just wait millennium talk millennium boffo boffo box office oh yes oh yes well this has been long teased sure I watched millennium months ago months ago but it's all fresh. <laughs> It's all fresh. I still got it. I still dank. got it. Or is it? It's, I, I've always thought of Millennium as more dank. Millennium is dank. Millennium is like, do you remember X Files before season six? Yep. That's what Millennium. Was. Before they moved to California. Before they, yeah. So Millennium. Before Tia Leone Vancouver. ruined it. Well, you know. He, you David, know. David will love. See, love ruined you know. the X Files. Love, but love and isn't it, real. Or love is real. You said love was real. Make up no, your No, it's not. Make up your fucking mind. Only male God bonding is real. It. That's the one only <sighs> male bonding. 
Love isn't real either. Man. Only male bonding. Man. Only male bonding. Which there is quite a good bit of in Millennium. So for people who don't know, Millennium is was the side project that Chris Carter started. So the man who brought his us side the side hustles. This was his side hustle, which uh, he started in 1996. The countdown. Uh, and a, yeah, a three seasons. It went from 96 to 99 to the millennium. <laughs> to the millennium. And then it actually, uh, the actual millennium episode is an episode of the X-Files, which oh, I can talk about once we get there. Well, I remember. I remember yeah, that. Which, I remember that was a big deal. <laughs> It was a big deal, but the Millennium people are not fans of that because it was an X-Files episode and not not really a Millennium episode, and they felt a little bit cheated. So, um, yeah, there is a, the Millennium. This is all a countdown. Every episode starts with, it's like there is uh, 900 days until the Millennium, or it's like 900 days until the end of the world. Uh, so uh, I'll get to that, but... Anyway, so Millennium, Chris Carter show, side side gambit from the X Files, and it stars our boy Lance Henriksen, Mr. Black. Is Frank Black, which I thought was the name of the person in um, uh, Hellraiser, but I don't think it quite is. Not Garrick from Hellraiser. So, anyways, Jared, what do you know about Millennium? Well, I watched the first season when it aired. And it's a, and I was never like cause almost I, twenty years ago. Yeah, I was like a teenager when it was on, and I would yeah. love, I loved X Files, and I remember mm-hmm. Fox promoted the shit out of this show. They thought yeah. that this was going to be like a big success because it's X Files, baby, and yep. turns out. This show it too it too dank it's too dark oh, it's it, it, way it, too it's dank. disturbing like there's episodes where oh, you're like yes. holy fuck like what is this there's, there's like most most oh, movies yes. that I'm watching like this is that that feeling that you're going for and it's it's startling um it's it's kind of mm-hmm. like that one episode of X Files Home and oh then, and, and but every episode every episode and not there's like no break there's no uh, I don't know. You, the, 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 there's no like David Duchovny or uh, Gillian Anderson kind of like like pleasantness Life. like Rick yeah. oh they're they're the actors because like Lance Henriksen and um, he is and, so and, and, dark and Locke oh yeah John Locke's in this yeah. too uh, with the thinnest mustache ever Have T- you ever Terry seen O'Quinn's mustache in this yeah I can't I, I oh. vaguely remember it but I was watching it's, this on it's S- a John Waters one. I, I was watching this on SD. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. on, on, on an R- a CRT television, so maybe mm-hmm. I couldn't make out that mustache very clearly back then. It's a John Waters type one where it's yeah. just on the lip, the, the pencil. And it's weird. But, yeah, yeah, it's weird. But yeah, this show is dark. And uh, here's the thing about Millennium. Bottom line, this show is very good. It is really well made. I like this show a lot, and it's too bad it did it couldn't keep going. But it is so dark. That some of the episodes I had to stop watching for a while too because I was just like, oh my god! I was like, there are so many episodes that are like it, like like one certain theme or something, and it just keeps happening over and over and over again. And you're like, oh my god! You're like, please, no more dark and depressing shit. It's too much. Um, so it is super the, the heavy. Sh- shining a light on the corners of America. You're too afraid oh. to look in. Yes, legitimately. <laughs> this, 
Like, I, okay, I, I kind of want to watch this to be like, RJ, you're silly. This show is campy and ridiculous. It's not. <laughs> there are There's a couple episodes, but uh, not the first season, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, it's kind of weird, too. Season one, season two, and season three all have very, very different feels. Because they all kind of go a side route. And I watched the documentary on this too. And it was, uh, they were saying it was kind of like unintentional, but it was like changes in um, showrunners kind of thing. Like Chris Carter left for a bit and then had to come back. So like season two is kind of different. And then the way it ends is this like season two ends in an insane way. And then it sets up season three. And then like season three, they, they're trying to like not redirect the ship, but they're like trying to take it a different way. And I do want you to watch this. I, I genuinely do. So I don't know. Like, I still want to talk about it, but I, well, I think I think you'd actually like well, this. Well, show. RJ, where can one stream this? Unstreamable. Oh, the, the Criterion Creeps Patreon paid for the DVDs, via, which are not also not easily accessible. Via eBay. Mr. Duncan had to buy these DVDs via eBay using the Creep Bucks um, mm-hmm. just to fund this project. So that's why I think this is a maybe not the first season, but seasons two and three. That might be a Patreon exclusive out there for you guys. That's right, folks. Just because uh, this was not an easy thing to do. Since, since part of it too is that people can't even watch this; so they they can't stream it. Even if you want, you can't watch well, it it's because D- Disney, who owns it now, hates free. Well, they're they're not going to put this they fucking hate, show out. They hate it. Yeah. I mean, X Files is on Disney, but that was even probably a maybe, hard sell. Maybe they'll sell uh, NFTs from the episodes. Oh my god, that'd be amazing! <laughs> your, your, your favorite, your Frank, favorite Frank. rapist. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, your, like your, the NFTs your favorite, of this show, si- favorite sickos. Yeah, the NFTs of this show would just be like all of it would be like trading cards of the worst rapists that are fil- mm, uh, yep. featured in the yep. show because that's what the show is. Here's the token it's, of the person they dig out of the the ground. That's eyes and hands and mouth are all tied together. Or sewn uh, not up. Tied. Sewn. sewn, sewn, yeah, yeah, sewn together. Yeah, well, and that's, that's in the pilot, baby. I know. Yes. And I be, I remember being absolutely horrified for years to come. Oh yes. <laughs> what's going on? Why? Yeah. Why? Why is seven on TV? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The pilot episode of this is like seven because of how gruesome it I mean, is. But insane. it's also like cruising a little bit. Yeah. Which I know we're both fans of, also. So uh, I, I just wanted to, you know, give a little little setup of what this show is about, you know, or how what this show is, I guess. Go on. Okay, so one hundred and one, the pilot, Jared. Um, my review, Jesus Christ, three <laughs> out of four stars, <laughs> because I was completely. Not expecting how dark this show was. I told you though. I t- know you. I know you did. But I, I was thinking. I was like, well, the darkest episode of X Files is like Home, and I was like, that episode's pretty dark. But David Duchovny always lightens things up a little bit. Lance Henriksen does not lighten things up. <laughs> he makes things even gloomer. Like, like he makes things so dark just by his presence and him going into a room, talking like this, and you go, oh my god. This guy's bumming me out. So uh, the pilot, it's a good episode, three out of four stars. This is a, a mix between cruising and seven, uh, and it's a bit ex- exposition heavy, but 
this episode delivers on a few things. So you're getting you get introduced to Frank Black, and uh, he is he's an old FBI profiler, and his thing is that he is um he's like an empath where he's like kind of psychic, but they really downplay this, and I think this is one thing that like people would get put off on, or they're like he's a psychic, and it's like not really. Mm-hmm. What his thing is, he'll go into a a place and he'll be like, I know what the murderer knows. But like nowadays, they would just say he was a profiler because he just puts his mind in there. Do you remember the TV show, the NBC series Profiler? Yeah, I do. I do. And do you remember it was part of the Thrilogy block? I don't remember that part, but it sounds. But guess, do you you know what year it started? 96? Yep. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, you had at least two profiler shows on simultaneously i feel like a uh serial killer mania and fbi profiling was was in and at an I, all-time high potentially uh, peak peak profiling yeah and that's what it is too like because like so the psychic thing it it is a thing but they really downplay it so it doesn't come up very often usually all it is is frank will come into a scene and be like i think this guy is doing this and they're like, really? He's like, yeah, I think so. And then it turns out to be right. But it's, it's oh, he's just reading oh, the scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, it is a psychic thing. They just, they downplay it. So it's, uh, don't worry about that aspect too much. But he is a psychic. Um, so he's a psychic, but he's retired from the FBI. And the reason he retired was because he was getting Polaroids of him and his family, like, sent to him unaddressed. And he was like, Someone's going to kill my family. So he's married and he's got a, a daughter that's like seven years old. So he moved away, left the FBI because he's like, I don't want my family to die because I'm a profiler. Uh, and then what happens is he moves to Seattle. This place takes place, uh, show takes place in Seattle. And uh, he gets a call from Peter Watts, who is uh, John Locke, uh, Terry O'Quinn. And Terry O'Quinn also was an old FBI guy. But now he works for a private company called the Millennium Group. And uh, Peter Watts goes to Frank and he's just like, hey, I work for the Millennium Group. And Frank's like, is that the conspiracy group? And he's like, no, listen, we are a group that is determined to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Also, though, we think the world is going to end in four years. (laughs) Here, let me show you this conspiracy. Yes. Yes. And the Millennium Group goes through a lot of stuff throughout the span of this series. But uh, that's where Peter Watts is. And then they hire Frank as like an independent um, consultant and so what they have is they have a series of like um prostitutes and uh male hookers uh winding up dead in places in very bad situation or like condition when they find them so uh some of them are like torn up or cut up real bad some of them are um like uh, real old bodies so it's like oh this guy's been killing people for a while and it's a guy who kind of looks like john malkovich with like a a baseball hat on mm-hmm. and uh there's lots of footage of him like the, mumbling rocking the uh, in the line of fire uh john malkovich yes. baseball cap look yeah exactly that's what this guy looks like um so he's like walking around and uh he's killing people and then they bring frank in and then frank's like they're like a person went missing down here and he's like all right let's go find him and then he's walking around he's like over there go dig up over there and they're like what why and then he's like dig it up he's like i'm frank dig it up so they dig up a coffin and that's where you find people who have 
their eyes and their mouths stitched shut, and then they have their hands in like the praying gesture stitched to their chest, and they're buried alive. And so that's what that's how you get introduced to this show is they open up a coffin, and there's a guy with like all of his things stitched up together, but he's still alive and yeah, and going just suffering, and, and then being hugged and consoled as he... yeah. Frank tries to console them, but he can't talk. And, and then there's he this ling- then, then there's this lingering shot of this person. Oh, yeah stitched up it is horror (laughs) yeah and that that's how you get introduced to this show and you go uh what (laughs) good good um and so the rest of the episode kind of plays out uh how you'd how you'd expect um the episode ends with frank getting some more polaroids of his family and then it goes shit he just can't get away from it whoever this person is they know him intimately and they know he's back and they know he is back so uh that's the first episode yes exactly you see what i mean jared yeah. just sent me a picture of the serial killer and he looks like it right <laughs> yeah. little malkovichy uh, well, yeah i'm trying to like i'm like I have, to look up, I have to look up who this actor is because he's super familiar yeah yeah he's in he's in he's <clears throat> familiar in a lot of stuff but this is the pilot and it is good but it is dark it's very dark and look at that Filmed in Vancouver. Yes, and you feel it. Uh, this show's got that good Vancouver drizz and darkness and bleakness that you, that you want. So I've talked about the pilot a lot. These... <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, go to hear this. Uh, so the, the plot for Millennium, the first line, in a strip club in downtown Seattle, because it's yeah. a good stand-in for Vancouver, yep. an unnamed man known to the club workers as the Frenchman is mumbling <laughs> yeah. poetic phrases and hallucinating blood pouring over a blonde stripper and a wall of fire surrounding her. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's how it starts. So he kills strippers for a while, and then he moves on to uh, the male <laughs> prostitutes, Lord, the cruising ones. Some of these senses after Frank presents his finding... Bletcher demands Frank give him the stripper girls, quote, rape and murder on VHS, unquote. Yep. So there's Bletcher. There's also uh, Giebelhaus. Yeah. Giebelhaus is another detective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of these boys, Jared. No. There's a lot of them. Uh, yeah, the that's a pilot, man. They set it all up. They set it all up. And then you meet Frank's wife and his daughter. And uh, idyllic family. You know what I mean? They're all there. They're all there. So uh, Pilot's pretty good. These next couple episodes, I can burn through a couple of these pretty fast, actually. Actually, But uh, the the Pilot is it's good stuff, Jared. It's good stuff. You want to hear about some more episodes? Hit me with it, Big Daddy. 102, Cypress Hill Telemarket Dystopia Cult. Two out of four stars. Mm. This is an episode called Gahina. And what this is, is there is a doomsday cult of uh it's like a bunch of dudes wearing white trench suits and they're all telemarketers so they're like calling people trying to like recruit for the cult and stuff like that and um when people try to leave the cult they they like drop these people off in parking lots and they're like you're free to go and they're like really and they're like yeah go for it and then uh they get in the van and they drive around in circles and then they run over the people and that's like uh that's how that's the cold open of this show uh or of this episode it's okay it's not great. It's okay. It's a it's a real second episode. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's all I got to say about that one. Uh, 103, Spaz Boy. 
two out of uh, four stars. This episode is called Dead Letters. Uh, and here's our synopsis. Frank teams up with Jim Horn, a troubled profiler and candidate for the Millennium Group, in order to catch a deranged See, serial killer. Th- that seems really fast to be hitting on that kind of idea in this yes. show. Like the third episode. Yes, and that's that's the problem because Frank's not actually part of the Millennium Group. All of season one is his audition to get to become part of, the, or like his tryout, basically, to become part of it. So season three is they're like, uh, John Locke from Lost is like, hey, we have another guy who might work for Millennium. Uh, you got to go work with him, see if he's any good. And then what happens is this guy like. Uh, they're trying he's trying to profile a serial killer but the serial killer is really like um intense and like killing kids or something and this guy has kids so he loses it and he starts like going crazy and they're just like uh frank's like you don't have what it takes to put your mind or put yourself in the mind of serial killer he's like you're too fragile you're not you're not ready for this and it's supposed to be like a parallel of how frank can separate himself but this other guy can't and it's not bad but the guy spazzes out a ton and you're just like geez man relax you know calm, what i mean Jerp? calm down you go calm down bud um this next episode has uh, a few big actors in it Jerp. like john hawks do you know john hawks i am aware of his work and chris ellis and cch pounder do you oh, know cch pounder I, I do as a as a man who is a fan of the shield as yes Yes, I knew you were. And then uh, I can't remember what this one guy. Oh, Marshall Bell. Who is? What's his? What's his deal again? Marshall Bell. He's that guy. You know, he's got kind of like a like an old like a cleft lip kind of thing. What is that guy from? The Judge, uh, Starship Troopers, and Total Recall. Recall. Uh, Recall. George and Cuato. You know the guy. Mm-hmm. With the and he's in lots of stuff. So he's in this. Subsequent's called The Judge. And uh, I have um, I have 104 Auctioneer Judge. <laughs> Three out of four stars. Frank Black is called to in to catch a bizarre serial, serial killer who mails his victim's body parts to seemingly random addresses. However, <laughs> Frank senses that the killer may just be someone's puppet. So uh, what this is, is uh, there's this guy who is a judge, but he's also an auctioneer. And he's deeming pe- whether people are uh, worthy or not. And uh, when they are, he's like buying and selling people and then cutting them up and then sending body parts to random random addresses. I can't remember all the fine details of this because I watched this episode probably six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember liking it. And uh, this is another dark one because it's uh, somebody sending body parts to random people. Well, you know. How do the body parts look? Look, they look, they look convincing. Yeah, yeah, they're they're good props. It's not like a spaghetti hand or something like that. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Yeah. So this episode was cool. Um, is, is there any daylight horror? Mm, not in this one, but in the next one, yes. Ooh. In the next one, yes. One hundred five. Uh, J O bomber. Two out of four stars. And do you know what I mean by the J O bomber, Jarrett? No. There's this thing on the internet. J-O means jerk off. Okay. Um, okay, I figured. But So uh, this guy, what he does is he um, he he gets off on bombing places. Uh, so this episode is called 522666. 
uh, Frank and Peter head to Washington in order to help the FBI investigate a serial bomber. So this is a serial bomber episode, but the bomber is a news reporter who is a, or he's either a reporter or a cop, but he's always there when the bombings happen because he wants to be the hero. And then he, he gets off on being the hero, Jared. You know what I mean? Serious stuff, dude. Serious stuff. Uh, I'm gonna keep going. This next one's good. You keep going. Go you do it. I'll, I'll I'll raise my hand if uh, yeah, if I'm you like, need to interject. I go, if I go, whoa, 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 slow down. Yeah, this one's good. 106. Uh, burning priests on fire. High two. Ooh, I like that. I like that. High two. Uh, this episode's called Kingdom Come. Frank investigates a serial killer who seems to be targeting the clergy. So this episode, Jerry, I, I, I really kind of feel like I remember the TV spots. The bumper for this? Yeah. It, it'd be hard not to because the imagery is pretty striking. It's priests being set on fire <laughs> while they're alive. And that's the whole episode. Uh, so there's this guy who um, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's something like uh, he feels like the church let him down or something. Like, uh, like he either had a child die or his wife died or something in a fire. And the church, he felt like, didn't help him enough. So he's going after all the priests and just setting them on fire. It's pretty good. I liked it. High two. That's a high two, man. It's a high two. Season one is the one that's the least in my memory. Season two and three, I remember a little bit better. Um, 107. Funeral funeral crashers. High two. You remember the wedding crashers, Jared? I do remember the wedding crashers. This is kind of similar. High two. Uh, This is called Blood Relatives. Frank tries to catch a troubled young pretender who is the main suspect in a string of brutal murders at funerals. So what this guy does is he goes to funerals and he sees whoever the most vulnerable person is. And he says, hey, man, I miss him, too. Want to talk about it? And then he kills that person. Damn. Yeah, I know, man. I know. It's crazy. It's a pretty good episode, though. Okay, Jared, here's a real one for you. 108 rape dad uh, unrateable no no rating no rating this is an unrateable episode <sighs> it's called the well-worn lock and here is the imdb synopsis oh boy Catherine. oh Catherine is frank's wife she is a child uh child psychologist i should have mentioned before or not child she's just a psychologist yep so the, the well-worn lock Catherine tries to help a now adult traumatized victim of incest take her influential father to criminal court before he does the same thing to her young sister. What this episode is about, Jared, is an old man who is well known in the community. He's a pillar. He is a politician. He's donated lots of stuff. People love this guy. Mm-hmm. He's got an adult daughter who's about 20 years old, and then he's got a younger daughter who's about seven years old. The adult daughter is not doing good. And uh, she's telling uh, all the cops and Frank and Catherine and their psychologists that, hey, you know, my dad did some bad stuff. Uh, This episode is very problematic in that the cops try to cover it up. They blame everyone else but the rapist. They say, hey, maybe maybe when you were a kid, maybe you were doing stuff you shouldn't have done. You know, maybe it was just dad's, you know, disciplining you. And she went. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what it was. Um, the courtroom 
also blames the victims and they say, hey, listen, this guy, he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. This girl, what's she ever done for anybody? Mm-hmm. Maybe she deserved it is what the court says. Yep. Uh, and then the cops say, hey, maybe you had it coming. Maybe we should just let this go. And that's what this whole episode is about is it's not the rape or it's not like it's not the question that it happened within the first five minutes. They go, okay, this guy's raping kids. The entire episode is, Hey, listen, this guy's kind of important. Maybe we should let this go. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. And Catherine Frank's wife is the only one being like, I don't know guys, (laughs) he's raping kids. Maybe we shouldn't let this go. Maybe, (laughs) maybe. And that is the entire episode is basically 40 minutes of people being like, yeah, he's a rapist, but, but, and then you go, oh my God. And it's called the well-worn walk. And one of the reasons this episode, one of the reasons the show is so dark is because at the end of this episode, you find out that this girl's trauma gets like her PTSD gets kicked in because she, she had a little padlock. She would lock her door at night so that her dad couldn't get in there. And then eventually at the end of the episode, they like, I think the dad either kills himself or he does get locked up. Like, I think he kills himself though. And uh, they find the lock and they give it to the girl as a memento. They're like, here. So you remember what happened. And the girl's like, I remember what happened. (laughs) I don't need like this, this like keepsake, this keepsake of the trauma I had for like 20 years and things like that. And that, her story's so sad. Like she's at her house, and the dad's like, "It's bedtime," and uh, she's like, "No, I'm gonna stay up with the little the little sister." And he's like, "It's bedtime. Go to bed." And it's like all these things of her trying to protect her sister. And then at the end of the episode, they're like, "Here's the lock. Here you go." And like that was the thing that made me like, like when I was watching this, th- that's how they end it. And I was like, "What?" I was like, "Oh." <laughs> I was like, "Who's feel good TV?" Because it's like it's not like, and it, I don't think it's even <laughs> no, supposed it's... to be interpreted like that. Like, no, I like, know. Here's but... the lock for you, and you go, "What?" It's the I need to have a a shower after watching this. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what that one feel real. Is. Gr- you're feeling real greasy. So that's one of the first unrateable episodes of Millennium. <laughs> oh, good. There's a uh, maybe one or two more. This is a good one. I think you'd like this one. Uh, one oh nine. Open House Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Or Portrait of a Security System, I should say. Mm. So this one, uh, it's called Wide Open. And what it is, is there's this guy who goes to open houses, and he finds the ones that have the mo- the fanciest security systems. Uh, and then what happens is he uh, he hides in the open house. And then when the family comes home, he, he sneaks out and he kills them. <laughs> And then he leaves without setting off the security system. This is a real people versus security things. Uh, like, you you know what I mean? Where it's just like, it's like, because everyone's like, well, they had the nicest security system. It's the most expensive one on the market. But the family still got murdered. <laughs> they still got God. They still got God. And then the, the like thing about this one is he kills the family and then leaves. But he, he misses someone because the daughter has a hiding spot he doesn't know about the killer uh and then the episode's like backtracking that this episode's got a good ending oh this is a three out of four actually this is a good episode this episode's got a good ending because uh, i'm gonna spoil it for you but in the episode a dog gets introduced and you're like hmm it's gonna happen in this dog and then this guy's sneaking around 
and then the dog jumps up and pushes the guy over the rails and the guy falls and dies. So the dog saves the day, which I actually liked quite a bit. It's completely, you know, just uh, by chance that the dog saves the day, but <laughs> I liked it nonetheless. Uh, um, so <laughs> my monitor thinking about uh, t- uh, t- 10 to midnight <laughs> and just oh, like yeah. every episode is ending with a guy going, I'm going to be out of here in no time because I'm sick. And then, and then Frank Black has to like blow him away, but this or, does, or is but, but Frank Black whistles and the dog comes and pushes yeah. him over the ledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, some of them end like that. Some of them end like that, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, One ten, oh, honeymoon killer, honeymoon adoption killers. Low two, mm. low two. The worst. The, Not, the worst so far. The worst so far. So it's called the Wild and the Innocent. Frank is brought in to help sheriff's office, the sheriff's office catch a troubled girl and her murderous boyfriend who are seemingly on a killing spree. But Frank suspects that they may actually be searching for someone. So this girl got pregnant when she was a teenager with this guy and they gave their baby up. And now they're trying to find the baby and they're just killing the families on their way. I see. It was fine, but I kind of I was, remember that. As I I don't know in my mind I was like I've seen this plot in a lot of other TV shows. Was, was, was this episode for sweeps? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, people like people love people getting killed while they're looking for their babies. Yeah, I think that's it was something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna find out because for, uh, so this well this uh, aired on January 10th. So oh, that's that's, uh, that's not sweeps because that would be like what is it March? Oh, maybe. Yeah, so not not sweeps, but this was a this was a throwaway episode. Um, one eleven. Old man blood football, high two. Old man Damn. blood football. This is a sins of the father episode. It's called Weeds. Frank investigates a series of abductions of teen boys in a small gated community. After one of them is found dead and a cryptic message is found, Frank tries to figure out the killer's motives before more kids end up dead. So this is Sins of the Father episode where uh, a kid 10 years earlier, or not quite 10, like four years old earlier, a kid dies, and there's like four dads that are involved in it. It's kind of like a Freddy Krueger thing. Um, so what happens is that dad <laughs> of the dead kid comes back and starts killing the kids of those dads who wronged him. It's a high two. Okay. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, oh, television's February sweeps period. Is that? I guess that's one. Is that was that what it was? Um, I'm looking it up on mentalfloss.com. How do TV sweeps periods work? I don't do know. sweeps really set the advertising rates for the next quarter? Yes and no. Is it me, or does the system make zero sense? It's not just you. Do people really <laughs> still fill out paper diaries? Yes. Maybe. This is from twenty thousand. This is from the year two thousand and eleven. Remember that? Mm. Why don't people call it that? Two thousand, two thousand twenty-two. Two thousand. Yeah. Two thousand. Uh, I don't know. That's weird. I could get make turn that into a thing, and everyone mm. go quit being an asshole. Everyone say, "Hey, shut up." Yeah. Homer style. Hey, shut up. Um, here's some more for you, Jared. One twelve. Porno sex criminals. Hi two. Uh, Hi two, Jared. Damn. Uh, this is a pharmacist versus sex. Uh, so this episode is called "Loin Like a Hunting Flame," 
And uh, here's your synopsis. A pharmacist drugs unsuspecting couples and forces them to enact his sexual fantasies. Ew. This is a gross episode. It's good, but it's a, a pharmacist who is an incel, and he can't do the things he wants to do with his wife because uh, she is like a Quaker or something. His wife. Uh, his wife. She no sex. Uh, so uh, he's a pharmacist. So when people pick up prescriptions, he like targets like something like the ladies who get birth control or something. <laughs> and he gives them something else that basically drugs them. Because they're sluts. And then he goes to their house and he makes them have sex with each other in front of himself. Oh, boy. It's a it's a good episode, that but sounds, yeah, that, it's that, gross. That, 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 that sounds like something that could happen locally, sadly enough. I know, I know. And that's another one of those. Uh, this is another one of the ep- examples of Millennium is a dark show because there's nothing supernatural about this. It's just a pharmacist who's just like, fuck these people and their sexual fantasies. Oh, and they'll fuck. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, so that is a good episode, but it's gross. Uh 113, oops, 113, Iron Lung, Jonestown Messiahs, four out of four stars. For, the episode is Force Majeure. And you are you seeing the thumbnail of that episode, Jared? Nope. You don't see that? Wait, where, you know I, I don't even know where I'm looking. What am I supposed to be looking at? Well, there is a, a certain coast, or there's a certain guest star in this episode who was prevalent in 90s television. Mm. Do you know what which certain guest star this might be? I do don't. Oh, I do now. I bet you could take a guess. I, I, I do now. I saw it. I saw and it. This was a God, full God, surprise. God's favorite, God's favorite son, son. Yeah. Mr. Brad Dourif himself. Force majeure. This episode is pretty sweet. Not just because of Brad Dourif. It's actually really good. Uh, the group investigates the suicides of identical twin girls born seven years apart in different families. Dennis Hoffman, a noisy man... Obsessed with the apocalyptic planetary alignment prophesized to occur in 2000, helps Frank on the case. So Brad Dourif plays a counter or like a different uh, conspiracy theorist who's also thinks the millennium is the end of the world, uh, and he's like he's been following the case. He's like, whenever the moon aligns, these girls people kill themselves. And uh, Frank's like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's conspiracy. But he also works for a group that thinks the millennium is the end of the world. So it's a nice kind of contrast. Uh, And then what you find is um, there's an old dude in an iron lung on a farm. And he's got like 30 like wives. And they're all doing these things where they're like going out and killing themselves and stuff like that. It was a cool episode. Good cult stuff. Are you into cult stuff, Jarrett? I'm down with the cult. From time to time. It's good, good cult stuff, and I mean Brad Dourif is, as you know, always good, always good. This, so this, episode, is... this episode was directed by uh, Winrick Colby, who also famously directed uh, the All Good Things oh. se- series finale and Caretaker, the first episode of Voyager. Oh. Well, I mean, I mean, maybe that, maybe that's why Brad Dourif was in Voyager too. Maybe it was the well, maybe not if that guy didn't do the Brad Dourif episodes, but uh, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it, it it's a well done episode. So if he did the finale of TNG, it makes sense. Like, this one doesn't have phasers in it, you know. It, but uh, it looks like he it's got also, good stuff. He also directs RJ the twelfth episode of Star Trek Enterprise season one. Hmm, that's okay. I like that. Just keep keep uh, that in mind. Keep that in your back pocket. That's right. 
Yeah. So that's a good episode. I like it. I think you would like that one too. Uh, 114, quote unquote, hand match analysis, two out of four stars, which I thought was a funny thing because they're, uh, I don't know. I just thought it's funny. They're like, we got a hand match analysis. And I was like, what does that mean? Uh, this is about psychic mind hunters, Jared. Uh, this episode is called the thin white line. And this is a, uh, canon heavy episode because it sets up a major antagonist. So I see, Frank. I do see that uh, Glenn Morgan and James Wong wrote this episode. Yeah. And they become way more prevalent in uh season two. Uh, like they do a lot of um, canon stuff in season two, which makes sense. So this one is uh Frank links two seemingly unrelated murders to the mo- modus operandi of a psychopathic serial killer caught 20 years before while trying to kill Frank and who's still in prison serving his life sentence. So this is flashback episode, Frank in the FBI. Um, he's, he tracks down a serial killer 20 years ago, and then when he has a kind of face-off with this guy, the guy shoots him and almost kills him. And then 20 years in the future now, someone is killing in the same way, and they get a hand match analysis, Ooh. and it's the same handprint of the person who's actually in jail. And uh, some stuff happens, and there's some gender fluidity in this episode, Jared. And it becomes a major kind of plot point in season two, actually. So that's the only reason I mentioned that. There is a the main antagonist for Frank Black. Some can kind of weave between male and female, so it's getting a little supernatural. Oh, a little supernatural, but it's downplayed, like always. It's downplayed. Mm, yep. Um, but it's a. Uh, Actually, I think this is the one, but it's a real um, Jared Leto-looking type of uh, person, which is going to come back in... Maybe it's not this one, actually. (laughs) Anyways, this is an antagonist for Frank. Um, The Jared Leto one comes later. Uh, Okay. 115. Meet the Blacks. Three out of four stars. This is a... uh, What is going to become a theme in Millennium. Uh, this is what I call a bullying ex-convicts uh, episode because it happens a lot in this show. Uh, this episode is called Sacrament. And uh, when his sister-in-law is kidnapped at her child's baptism, Frank must calm his brother and find the kidnapper before it is too late. For the first time, Frank's daughter shows signs that she has inherited some of Frank's strange gift. This episode, if I am remembering it correctly... This episode is very dark, Jared. This is... <laughs> is this like... We need almost like a... a we, 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 we need your star rating, and then you have the darkometer. Darkometer? This, on the darkometer, this episode is very dark. So Frank and his wife go to their niece's baptism, and the sister-in-law is like... Uh, it's after the baptism, and the sister-in-law is like, oh, I'll go pull the car around. And the husband's like, really? Do you want me to go get it? And she's like, nah. She's like, it's across the street. I'll go get it. Uh, she never comes back. Uh-huh. Uh, and then what happens is uh, it's like a three-day like manhunt for her. And uh, everyone's looking at Frank. They're like, you used to work in the FBI. Why can't you find her? Why can't you do it, Frank? And uh, Frank's uh, in-laws, like the parents, they're they're really hard on him. And next season, they're going to call Frank a real piece of shit eventually. Um, but everyone's yelling at Frank, and they narrow it in onto this one ex-con guy. And everything's pointing to him, but also nothing is pointing to him. And it's basically just people bullying this guy, where Frank's like, I think it's him, but we can't move in yet. Don't move in. And then the brother-in-law... <laughs> 
finds all the records and then goes to this guy's house and beats him up. He's like, you piece of shit. He's like, I know you kidnap women. And he's like, where is she? And it's like, the guy's like, I don't, he, he talks with like a lisp or something. He's like, I don't have her. He's like, she's not here. And you're just like, Oh my God, are they just bullying this ex con? Um, what eventually happens into in this episode, which I classify on the dark O meter as very dark is, uh, multiple human beings being drywalled into housing uh some of them alive some of them not alive um so the the sister-in-law you eventually find her she's drywalled into one of the walls (laughs) next to a couple corpses and they find her and she's all like she's been in there for like a week basically and and it's it's pretty much flat out said she's like I sh- she's like, I don't want to be alive anymore because of what happened. And you go, yeah. okay. <laughs> you go, that sounds about right. Um, so all the bad stuff happened to her. But then also, whenever bad stuff wasn't happening to her, like bad stuff, Jarrett, um, she was getting uh, plastered into walls and had to spend her days next to rotting, stinking corpses. So very dark, I would describe it as. Potentially, uh, I was like, I gotta send you this photo. So is, no, it, no, is it from the episode? No, 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 no. So this is a photo of uh, the writer of this episode, Frank Spotnitz. He, he said this was his favorite episode that he wrote. I just want to send oh you a picture. I just want to send you a picture of him at like a San Diego Comic Con. Uh, oh my god, that, the, something New York Comic Con of his hair. <laughs> that just screams. I'm gonna drywall bodies into. Uh, <laughs> Plaster bodies into walls. He seems like a nice guy. Uh, look, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a great guy. But uh, I don't know, Jared. Does that sound on your darko meter? Is that dark or is that just run of the mill stuff? <sighs> Sounds rough. Sounds rough. It's played out rough. Like it. It is one thing the show does do well. Is uh, the tension is believable because it's like it's not like any. You're not like oh she'll be fine. She's like Frank's sister-in-law. It's like. No, they make her do some bad stuff. <laughs> they put some bad stuff her way, and then she comes back, and she's basically just a broken person. And you're just like, oh, you're like that's depressing. <laughs> and it's very real because people get kidnapped every day, right, Jared? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, next next week on <laughs> Millennium, they took a month off after this. Uh, from, oh really? Yeah, February twenty first. They they did sweeps, and then there wasn't there was not a new episode till March twenty first. I bet you it had something to do with sports. Sports? Yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't. Oh, March Madness, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Probably. Oh well, no, that would have been that wouldn't have been all the way for a month. I don't know. Um, here's a good one for you, Jared. One sixteen. Uh, people versus the death penalty. Uh, penalty. High three. Ooh, I see it's set in Utah. This might be a four. This might be a four out of four star one. This episode is real good, and on the darko meter, I would say pretty dark. <laughs> not very dark, but pretty dark. We're not the. We're not to work on that for you. We're, we're not the like. You know how I rate stuff. But but, but but there's very and pretty, so it's like so very is like a four. Pretty very dark is, is a three, three. And, then, and then there's dark. Which is like a two, and then and then you'd have light fair, <laughs> and then yeah, light fair, which is like only a couple people get raped in an episode. <laughs> in on the millennium scale, oh that's my God. light. Uh, it happens so much, Jared. 
why, why, only, why, why, like, are you, why, why are you watching such disgusting shows? Because I, I thought this was a fun show like The X-Files, but it turned out to be a but, dark show like The X-Files. Yeah. Okay, so this is a good episode. It's called Covenant, and this is all about the death penalty. So Frank is asked to de- uh, develop a psychological profile on a sheriff who confessed to murdering his entire family. This is some, uh, this is some in cold blood kind of um, family slaughtering type stuff, Jared. <laughs> so uh, there's a guy, he's the sh- town sheriff, and uh, everyone says nicest guy in the world. His entire family ends up dead. They're all like in their beds, like, you know, like execution style. And he confesses to it. And so people bring him in because the, the sh- local sheriff office brings Frank in. They're like, we want you to give a profile just so that we can give this guy the death penalty because clearly he's a piece of shit and he deserves it. Frank comes in and Frank goes, you know what? I don't think he did it. And the dun, sheriff dun, office dun. is like, what? A-? They're like, what the fuck is going on? Because there's things that don't quite add up. Um so this whole episode, you just relive over and over the killing of like this family and like the staging of how they get killed, and you're like, is it like Rashomon? <laughs> well, not not quite like that, but uh, it just goes over it like a few times, and you, it just goes it like it kind of shows it in detail where it's like it's like the five year old girl, it's like what's going on, and then it's like bam. <laughs> And you just see her kind of get blown out and you're like, whoa. <laughs> and then there's like blood streaks. Like people are writing shit and blood on the walls and stuff. And um, <laughs> what is this show? What is this show? Uh, yeah. What is this show? That's what I'm saying. So this is, it's pretty dark. Um, this is a, <laughs> oh my God. Dark. It's a really good episode though. It actually is like. Um, I think you figure you figure out the twist a little bit of the way through, but for the first like twenty minutes, I was like, I'm not really sure what's going on here. <laughs> yes, Jared just sent me a comic book of uh, pretty much what watching this show feels like. Um, I can or a comic panel. Sorry. There you go. Yeah, comic panel. But uh, yeah, this is a this Cor- show is corpse knows what it is. He knows corpse what knows say. what's up. Yeah. So that's um. So that's a. Uh, interesting episode hmm. um 117 frank versus mental health two out of four stars uh, this episode's called walkabout after waking up in an alley with blood on his hands and no memory of the last few days frank has the bad feeling that someone has been murdered <laughs> watts helps him retrace his steps back to a clinic specialized for clinical trials i'm not gonna lie to you jared I have very little recollection of what this movie is about or what this episode is about. I don't remember this episode. Called I gave it a walkabout. Yeah. I gave it just a flat. I, 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 I see is there's mention of an internet connection. I can't remember what it is. It's some kind of brainwashed. An internet connection with a disturbed doctor leads an amnesiac Frank black into a murder case linked to experimental drugs that drastically heighten anxiety. Well, there you go. That says it all. Uh, this, I think I think up to this point, it is the lowest rated episode of the series. Yeah, and I mean, I I genuinely I do not remember it that much. Like, I I think he gets kind of brainwashed a little bit or something, but I don't really remember it very much. Okay, so that's fine. Yeah, one eighteen. Jared Leto, three out of four stars. There's lamentation. There, here, this yeah. is uh, the return of Chris Carter. 
Yes, and this isn't, uh, it's not actually Jared Leto, but this is where the gender-fluid person comes in, who looks like Jared Leto. And this sets up a lot of uh, canon for the show. So uh, while assisting the FBI in the hunt for an escaped serial killer, a mad doctor he put in prison. See, that's why I was getting confused. There's, there's a lot of serial killers. Yes, and a lot that Frank has put in prison. So it could be the same guy as the episode before, but I think it's a different one. Uh, Frank unknowingly meets his demonic, inhuman nemesis. Ephraim and, Fabricant? <laughs> yes, and the mastermind of unspeakable evil who claims the life of someone close to him. Well, played by Alex Diacon, born in Rycroft, Alberta. He, what? Be, he began his schooling in Chilliwack, British Columbia, and finished with a BFA from the U of A. Hmm. That's pretty cool. He's yeah. not the only actor to play the character, though. Oh. So this this character does. It's it's this, actually, this is an old this fuck this guy's seventy six years old. He looks it in this episode. Okay, so he, so yeah, he's a. Uh, oh fuck! I recognize this guy. Hmm. See, it's kind of like I actually really like the way they do it too because. Uh, the character comes back in another episode or two, and then there's a different character who also has the same kind of a trope, or not a trope, but like a like a profile where um sometimes in some lighting they're shown as a female, and then sometimes in the lighting they're shown as a male, and it kind of bounces back and forth. And I actually kind of the way they do it is really well done, where it's um they don't really like draw attention to it, but like it's just the ambiguity of it. They're like this person is like hard to pin down. So it's like sometimes it's played by a male actor, sometimes it's played by a female actor. And I know what you're saying. You noticed that, RJ? Yes, I did notice that. Um, I actually kind of liked it quite a bit. I thought it was a cool thing to do. And they do it in a they do it in a good way too, where it's kind of like um oh, like I said, a, they don't draw attention to it. He's in a whole lot of episodes of Da Vinci's Inquest. Oh, that he's makes sense. Chick Savoy. Um, what else? Cause I, I, I've seen him before. Oh, he was on uh, some Outer Limits episodes randomly. Oh, yeah. The TV, and RoboCop Alpha Commando. He was uh, he was a voice. His voice was on that show. I like uh, that too. It's not bad. That's I like that too. But sorry, continue. So, no, I. No, it's a good episode. That's all I got to say about okay. it. Okay, it's cool. You get introduced to one of Frank's major villains. He's Nem got two or three. Nemesis. Nemesis. He's got one or two, but that's the Jared Leto guy. Oh, and one of the main characters in the show actually dies in this episode. Oh, <gasps> spoilers, RJ. Jesus. I Christ. I didn't say which I didn't say which character, but one of them dies. Uh, and again, no one's no one's off limit in Millennium, Jared. Well, no one's uh, safe. Well, except for Frank. Hmm. Not always. Well, I mean. Well, I mean, he does make it to the end. Yeah. Spoilers. Uh, God damn. There is a couple times where he's uh, not good. Yeah. But, I, uh, sure. I mean, that's that happens in TV shows. Yeah. By the end of this, you'll you'll understand that Millennium doesn't hold any. Oh, doesn't pull any punches, Jared. They don't hold anything back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh 119. Skinwalkers. Three out of four stars. This episode is called Powers, Principalities, Thrones, and Dominions. Told in a flashback, the story follows Frank and the Millennium Group, who become pawns in the otherworldly battle between the devilish lawyer of a schizoid, satanic serial killer and a mysterious young man. That is the description on IMDb. This show. <laughs> this episode's cool, and it starts off, and it seems... Uh, 
seems supernatural, but then you backtrack and then uh, it's just kind of a, a normal thing. It's kind of like a mental health thing. Sure. Uh, it's a good episode. Uh, what what was about the uh, <laughs> the description? That's it. Was it the schizoid it's satanic like, yeah, serial killer <laughs> with the with the like the enigmatic lawyer? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, like like it's just there's layers. It's there a, is, but it sounds like it's the exact same onion over and over and over again. It, it's it very, kind of it's is. kind of like it's like a redundant onion where like you think this is redundant, f- redundant onion because yeah, he's like it's like put those words together. Yeah, and it just keeps happening. It does. Yeah, but each season is its own redundant onion, and that's the thing. Each season does have kind of a twist, and it goes in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Or not a like not a twist and like oh I didn't see that coming just in like it just goes a different way and you go oh they're mo- they're really moving the show away from what they were and it happens both both season changes this episode was pretty good um, mm-hmm. like I don't know I can't again season one's the one like season two and three I remember a lot better but uh, I don't remember exactly what happens I know the kid is seeing stuff and Frank's trying to help him. But then the lawyer, I think, is like actually using the kid to like maybe go and kill people that he doesn't want. But then the lawyers, so the kid thinks the lawyer is like a devil, but he's actually just like a manipulative person. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something like that. It's pretty good. I like that episode. Uh, I'm just reading the synopsis for the next episode. Okay. Hey, you want to hear my description of this? Yes, please. Hor- uh, 120. Horse incel killed by a horse. Four out of four stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, want to hear my synopsis? Having yep. I don't remember this episode. Uh-huh. Evidence found whilst investigating the vicious murders of domesticated horses in North Dakota leads Black to suspect the genesis of a psychosexual killer who soon preys upon humans. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good episode. It's all about uh, animal testing and slaughterhouses and pharmaceutical labs and stuff like that, Jared. I don't like the horse violence, but uh, the guy starts with horses and then he works his way up to people and then he starts taking people to the horse slaughterhouse. Works his way down to people. Works his way down to people. Good correction, Jared. You're you're quite right. You're quite right. Um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this guy, he's just killing people like horses, but the whole episode is just kind of, you know, commentary about slaughterhouses and animal treatment. And uh, I was on board for it. I thought it was a, a really well done episode, actually. Horse violence aside. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a good one. On the dark scale, dark, but that's it. Okay. Just dark. Um, 121, this is one of the lowest episodes of the season and, I guess, series in. Catholic Chernobyl, two out of four stars. Hmm. This is a low two. Uh, Frank and Peter try to catch a Russian murderer who links to Chernobyl in the search, they discover chilling information with apocalyptic ramifications. Uh, this is stuff that they tried to set up, like linking to Millennium stuff, but I don't think it ever pays off anywhere. It's just like there's a Russian church, and they're doing church stuff all the time, and some of them were in Chernobyl. Mm, that's about it. Hmm. Russia. Yeah. This episode is called Moran Maranatha. One more. One more. And that's uh, a... 22 episodes. Yeah, 22. This last episode, I feel like was... I remember there's claims in the past that you'd be able to run through uh, Millennium in like 15 minutes or something like that. Yeah, I think it's been about half an hour, right? Uh, 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I thought I could do it, but you know, I knew, I knew, I knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Well, one twenty-two. Uh, Great Outdoors Oedipus, four out of four stars. Wow. Slash a nude guy. <laughs> nude dude. Hey, Jared, have you ever seen Dumb and Dumber? I have. And do you like the main uh, the main heavy in Dumb Mike, and Dumber? Mike, Mike Starr? Mike Starr. He's, he's going to be our villain for this evening. This episode is called Paper Dove. Frank is asked to clear the name of a man who may have been mistakenly convicted of a murdering. His uh, of murdering his wife. His investigation leads to a serial killer who's just claimed his latest victim. Meanwhile, Frank Stalker comes for Catherine. Oh shit! So what happens is uh, the Mike Star guy, uh, he's killing. Uh, this episode is potentially very dark. Somewhere between dark and very dark. It's kind of dark. It's darkish. For I, I was thinking about for number one, you call yeah. it faux dark. Faux dark. This is more than faux dark for sure. So dark. Yeah. Okay. This is dark. So uh, Mike Star is getting contracts. So he's kind of a heavy guy. He lives with his mom, and he he kind of wants to kill his mom, is but he also so loves he's, her. So he's a sad bastard. He is a sad bastard, a hundred percent. So his mom yells at him a lot, and so he takes it out on women. And uh, what it happens is this guy he's got a partner, Jared, and uh, he doesn't know his partner. Or I think he he talks to him once, but he, him and his partner aren't close. But what happens is his partner gives him a Polaroid of a, a woman, like a set of Polaroids. And then this guy's like, okay. And then he goes and kills them. So he he's get, he's being told who to kill. But what he does is he'll kill these women, and then he'll take them out to the woods, and then uh, he does their makeup for them. And then he kind of covers them and leaves, but he uh, he sets up a tent close by and he visits visits them for about two weeks. So he'll go to their bodies and uh, he talks to them. Oh, he keeps them. That's great. Yeah, he talks to them and he, he's like, you're a good listener. He's like, no one will listen to me at home. I can't I can't say anything because I'm just being talked over because his mom is always kind of like telling him to do stuff. And it's not even bad. It, the mom's like, can you do this chore for me later? I just, is like, I, I can't reach up to it. And then can you do this for me later? And he's like, he's like, Jesus fucking Christ. He's like, leave me alone. Let me eat my dinner. That's like the kind of stuff he does. But uh, when he goes out to the woods with his dead bodies, uh, they don't, they just listen. So he, and he's always like laughing and having a good time with them and stuff like that. Uh, and he does their makeup. So um, that is what his deal is, which is dark ish uh and then uh so they they kind of find him but the the end season ends on a cliffhanger where it's um uh the polaroids the the last polaroids frank finds in this guy's house who goes out and kills people is of his wife and then he goes to find her and guess what she's gone and to find out more about millennium join our patreon account (laughs) For hot news in 15 minutes or less. Right, Jarrett? Eventually. 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 So that's Millennium. Season 1 uh, has a few dark a dark, a few dark ones. Dark, 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 dark. A few dark ones. The dark, 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 dark. A few dark, 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 dark ones. But uh, some of the most dark ones dark. are still yet to come. Let's see. Other than the rape dad one, that one was, that's that's <laughs> one of the damn top it. five. That's uh, one of the top five darkest in the series. That lots well, dank. It's dang. That's off the chart. They give her the lock at the end. It's just wow. I can't believe it. That's pretty. You know. Hey RJ, you want to hear about Criterion releases? And we're May of 2022. 
Is Jack oh, on sorry. the list? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 2022. Uh, oh, yes. Is Jack on Jackass on the list? I don't know. No, it's not. I know that for a fact. It's not. I'm looking at it right yeah. now. It's some of a bitch. So, first up we got Mr. Klein, directed by Joseph Losey. I remember that guy. I've seen some Joseph Losey before. Mm-hmm. Uh, from 1976. I know nothing about this movie, but it's got Alain Delon, the, mm. the, the samurai himself. Really? No. Less samurai? Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you think he's in any uh, Millennium? Uh, I don't think so. Damn. He, he, but he could have been. Damn. Maybe next time. How about some uh, Juzo Itami, The Funeral? From 1984. How, that, does that How about f- it? Does that float your boat? I'm not familiar. I've, I've heard of this, but I'm not familiar with it. Uh, I have heard of it, too, oh. but I haven't seen it either. Oh, all right. I've, I've heard of that one. How about Billy Wilder's Double Indemnity? You know about this from 1944? That's what we call in the business, RJ, a film noir. It's coming film noir. to the Criterion Collection. Inducted. So there's another movie you never have to watch until we watch it. I won't. Okay. It'll I sp- won't. That is Spine 1126. I probably won't. Yeah. What about, what about Mississippi Masala from 1991? Directed, directed by Mira Nair. Is it about um, food? The vibrant cultures of India, Uganda, and the American South come together in Miranera's Mississippi Masala, a luminous look at the complexities of love in the modern melting pot. Years after her India family was forced to uh, flee their home in Uganda by the dictatorship of Idi Amin, 20-something Mina, spends Mm. her days cleaning rooms in an Indian-run motel in Mississippi. When she falls for the charming black carpet cleaner Demetrius, played by... Denzel Washington. Their Ooh. passionate romance challenges the prejudices of both of their families and exposes the rifts between the region's Indian and African American communities. Tackling thorny issue of, uh, issues of racism, colorism, culture clash, and displacement with big-hearted humor and keen insight, Nair serves up a sweet, sexy, and deeply satisfying celebration of love's power. I don't know quite what to think of that. Deeply. So, uh, oh, we got one more. Wayne Wang Chan is missing from 1982. A mystery man, a murder, and a wad of missing cash. In his wryly offbeat breakthrough, Wayne Wang updates the ingredients of classic film noir for the streets of contemporary San Francisco's Chinatown. When their business partner disappears with the money they had planned to use for a cab license, driver Joe and his nephew Steve scour the city's back alleys, waterfronts, and Chinese restaurants to track him down. But what begins as a search for a missing man gradually turns into a far deeper and more elusive investigation into the complexities and contradictions of Chinese-American identity. The first feature by an Asian-American filmmaker to play widely and get mainstream critical appreciation, Chan is Missing is a continuously fresh and surprising landmark of indie invention that playfully flips decades of cinematic stereotypes on their heads. Um, is that really what the movie's called? Is Wang Wang? That's the name of the director. Is Wayne Wang. Oh, I thought and, you said uh, Wang Wang. In the, in the film... Chan is missing. Oh, 
I thought you were saying the movie was called Wang Wang. And I was going to be like, really? That's cool. I like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. But now that it's, I know it's not that, I'm going to say I'm less impressed. Less interested. I'm less interested. Wow. There you go, folks. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. It's not dark enough. That's a, it's darker bust. <laughs> darker bust. Darker the better, baby. Darker the better. Yeah. Well, uh, you got any news? Um, no. Decline. Decline. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Have your assets been frozen? Uh, yeah, but for legal reasons. Yeah, they'll, they'll be forfeit. They, they're, they're on to you. They, they knew how, they know about Super Bowl, RJ. Well, do they though? Do they? You know what I mean? I doubt it. You want to talk? You want you want to talk about a movie? You want to talk about uh, some Louis? Some French stuff? Some French? Some that French style? We could talk about some French stuff potentially. Mm-hmm. French bread? Potentially. Oh, I do like French bread. Um, after the break, we're busting out that butter because that's how the French do it when they're podcasting. They do eat a lot of butter, eh? I assume they like podcasts. No. Who doesn't? Juin 1944, le débarquement a déjà eu lieu. Le mur de l'Atlantique, tant célébré par la propagande nazie, est enfoncé. L'aviation allemande totalement chassée du ciel. Cherbourg tombe le 27. C'est le commencement de la fin. Le grand Reich de Milan, promis par Hitler, vacille. C'est à ce moment-là qu'un jeune paysan du Sud-Ouest, Lucien Lacombe, se retrouve dans la police allemande. Il va vivre, à sa manière, sa première leçon d'histoire de France.
merde. Après le souffle au cœur, le nouveau film de Louis Mal, La Combe Lucien. And we're back. This is the Criterion Cruise podcast. And tonight we're talking about La Combe Lucien from 1974, directed by Louis Mal. RJ, the tagline for this film. Mm-hmm. A knockout. A major work. Mal succeeds triumphantly. Um, is that uh, appropriate? All that? Is that an appropriate description of this movie? In Louis Mal's lauded drama, Lucien mm-hmm. Lacombe is a young man living in rural France during World War II who seeks to join the French resistance. When he is rejected due to his youth, the resentful Lucien allies himself with the Nazis and joins the Gaelic arm of their Gestapo. Mm. Lucien grows to enjoy the power that comes with his position. His position, but his what? Position, yeah. But okay. his life okay. is complicated when he falls for Franz Horn, a beautiful young Jewish woman. Oh yeah, Franz Horn, eh? Franz Horn, that is a name. You know, how long did it take you to figure out that when they said France, that they were talking about a person and not the place of France? Immediately, I knew exactly. That. And I thought, oh, is, is this a metaphor? Um. Immediately, hey? Immediately. It wasn't like near the end of the movie or like no. after the movie no. when you were taking screenshots. Immediately. Um, immediately when uh that, that when uh, her father said her name's France. Uh, uh that I, I I think I clued in. It wasn't like when your co-host mentioned that her name was France, that wasn't like the first time that you kind of like noticed that or It was not. Okay. Okay. Huge, huge. Okay. Yeah, so, just, just curious. That's whoa. just curious. Week two, Louis Mall. How are things going for you? Uh, how did week one end? Uh, with Murmur of the Heart? Yeah. Um, I think we're at like... I would put it in the L column. Like it's L? Like yeah. a loss? Yeah. Okay. It's like, it's like a, we're like 0-1. So okay. um, I, I definitely can see... Louis Mal, it's like he's a very uh, good filmmaker. You can very obvious that like his movies are really, really nice looking. And I'm going to say Lacombe Lucien is no exception. This movie looks amazing. The all the same like the that 70s cinematography, um, the, the colors, the costumes, uh, shooting on location, all looks fantastic. But okay. that's not what we're about here on this podcast. Mm. We're about getting to the brass tacks of things. Do we mm. like this? How is it? What What did we think? How many dead animals are there going to be? Uh, I didn't realize that was a, a ticker we had to keep track of. But uh, after this movie, I'm <laughs> I'm well aware. Well, well aware. Yeah, it, like it, Delaware. It, it, like Delaware. Um, uh-huh. Well, yeah, this movie it goes for a, a record. I didn't even know. Uh, anyone was going for this one. I think this one might have done it. Usually, do you think it's a walkabout? Or do you think it's a close call? Hmm. I think I think it might have outdone it. That's a lot. There's a lot of rabbits getting shot in this. Yeah, getting shot, I, getting twisted. Well, <laughs> okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. Getting karate chopped. Oh yeah! Oh, you ruined it. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean that's not a lot of it. 
<laughs> I didn't, I didn't ruin it. We're talking about the, folks, all the animals folks, that get killed folks, on the screen. Uh, I, like, I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't even believe this. So I, RJ watched this before me, and his letterbox tags, he's got real animal violence, real animal death, and I was like, oh fuck. Uh-huh. And then, like, I see one, and I'm like, oh, shit. And then uh-huh. another one, and then another one, and another one, another one, another one, another one, another one. It's like, huh, there's been, like, about six or seven or more-ish, because uh, those rab- that rabbit montage is something. I was like, mm. holy fuck, that's a whole lot of dead animals. There's a dead horse. And, and then you're like, oh, finally, it's slowing down. And then out comes the chicken. The and cat. <laughs> It's like it is this chicken's head gets chopped off with the man's bare hand. That that's new. That is a new one to me. It's pretty new, and like so, he's chasing the chicken, and that you could tell he had evil intent because the first scene you're introduced to our boy. Well, so he, he slingshots a little bird. Yeah, June 1944, southwestern France. Yes, um, what a time to be alive. And, and this this uh, this this shit, Lucien Lacombe. He's mopping yeah. up the hospital floor. Yeah. It's wartime. He's just mopping, slopping. Mopping and slopping. Yeah. yeah. And then he uh, he goes over by a window and he sees a bird just singing mm-hmm. along. Out singing he pulls the, the side by side and pulls out yep. the slingshot and just takes this bird out. Boom. And, we get yes. a little, and that's our first taste of death. That's our introduction to our leading our, character, our, pro, that, our, proto- our protagonist, protagonist, hero uh, protagonist. Yeah, some would say. So yeah, when he when he caught the chicken, you know, because of his ill intent earlier, you go, I don't think he's going to be nice to this chicken. And then it's just a karate chop to the neck, and uh, he dies, mm-hmm. big time. Yeah, and so I, I, th- most of the animal death is loaded up in the first eighteen minutes, but. It's got some surprises along the way. Throughout, there yeah. is enough. Enough. Definitely so, enough. So we're off to a we're off to a good start here um, in Creeps Nation. We all know how one of us uh, feels about this sort of thing. Uh, yes. we'll, we'll, but we'll come back to that person eventually. So let's yes. let's run through this movie a little bit. So okay. yeah, this guy's mopping up floors. This kid, I believe he's seventeen years old, and. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, so he's uh, kills this bird, and you're like, "Whoa, what's wrong with this kid?" And then he bikes home. He finds there's like a f- another family living in the house. His dad's assumingly dead. This kid's a little like a little pissy. He's got a real attitude mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It's like, what's this other family doing living here? And uh, I'm getting no respect. No respect. I'm gonna take my dad's gun. Take my dad's gun. I wanna. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go out there. Uh, and. Um, he kind of goes to help on the farm, and uh, now we get we just get a dead horse, like just a big dead horse that they're having to take out of the barn, and mm-hmm. uh, lots of footage of this big dead horse. And I mean, it seems like Lucien kind of likes this horse. He kind of goes over to it and gives it like kind of a, like a little pet, um, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, he's into that. And then mm-hmm. we get we get a little montage of him hunting rabbits. For, yep. for the fart of the farm and uh yeah it is just a uh it's a massacre he's just this this kid actor or whatever the production was this this production is just shooting rabbits left and right because they gotta they're making dinner you know rj mm-hmm. it's about it's about living off the land making a little bit of making some rabbit stew like rabbit season it's like wabbit season 
I see, I see. I yeah. thought you might say that. Mm-hmm. I thought you might. Okay. Well, so he's kind of like hanging out a little bit, and he's got some ideas going on in his head. He's like, you know what? I don't like, who likes mopping up at the hospital? I'm not doing my part. Uh-huh. I'm going to join the underground. I'm going to be part of the French resistance. The resistance? So, he, he, of course, like, the word is, of course, in the town. It's like, well, the one school teacher, he's kind of like a an officer for the resistance. He's like a recruiter. And so yes. he goes to visit that teacher and says, hey, I want to sign up. And the teacher's like, uh, dude, like, you're, you're, you're way too young. This war is, and plus, it's like, well, dude, like, the war's almost over. Just, like, chill. <laughs> yeah, well, he he's like, you know, things are almost done. You don't seem very good. Just relax. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Give give her time. This will this will pass and uh you can just go on with your life. Don't don't bother. Well Lucian's like, Well fuck you, mm-hmm. buddy. So he goes back I think he's biking back to go to the hospital because he was like off for the weekend or something like that. And he's going back, but he's like kind of walking around being all shifty and he comes across this hotel that's kind of the operation house for the german police basically the where the collaborators are all working all these uh, i'm not sure exactly what the the right verbiage is when describing these groups but these are the french folk yeah who are working with z germans um yes and, and rounding up you know they're basically there's like their job is we're going to like find Jews and find undesirables, communists and sympathizers. Sympathizers, yeah. The the and particularly the underground people. We're gonna ferret them out. That's like literally all they do. And they drink and screw and just having a merry old time here in World War Two France. Mm-hmm. Um. So these these guys, they kind of like are like, who is this kid? Is he actually spying on us? And he's like, no. And he starts, <laughs> they start feeding him drinks when they find out what town he's from. And they just like go, oh yeah, so yeah, you know anybody from the resistance there? And he's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he gives, he gives out the teacher's name, like nothing. And they're like, oh, cool. <laughs> and uh, they go and uh, the, the, the next day, they, they go round up the teacher. Yeah, and they bring him back home. And they bring him back and uh, they're going to have a word with him. Yeah, a strong word yeah. or so. So now yeah. it looks like Lucian's uh, got a new vocation. He's, he's, he's German police. That's right. So what do you what do you need though if you're going to be part of the the German police? Is German police? You need some g- golf trousers. Yeah, there's a big emphasis on. Uh, do you like golf trousers? There's some. Uh, you got to collaborate in style. Yes, and well, I mean, they're they're. Do you own a pair of golf trousers? Uh, I don't actually. Maybe that's my you, maybe that's my problem. Do you like though how they're like they don't like they're tucked into the socks kind of? Yeah, or, I, I think that's the whole idea. Yeah, but do you like that it's, though? It's, like, it's, is that something you would do? It's pretty classy. I mean, if I was in running around in like 1940s Europe, I suppose. Yeah, and it air out your ankles too. Mm-hmm. Um, kinda. So before, I think it's before he goes to get his golf trousers, or maybe when he comes back. So now he's kind of like part of the the club. Um, and there's there's this cleaning woman who, t- who mm. tends to the place. She's got some uh, some desires for uh, for our young stud. Um, and she wants to mm-hmm. she wants to do a little bit of boning down. RJ. She wants to do what? Sorry. She, she wants to do some boning down. So she just kind of like okay. the end of the night winding winding down. She's like, hey, you, uh, I'm going upstairs. Uh, you should wait a few minutes before you join me. And he's like. 
damn, sure. <laughs> he says, no problem. I can, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on his way up, he uh, gets to see a li- little bit of sadistic torture going on. Uh, you know, dunking somebody over and over again in a in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. You know, getting them to confess. Uh, yeah, they they have all sorts of methods, all kinds of methods, as they show. Yeah, uh, and then you get like to get one another one of these comments from this cleaning woman. She's uh, getting undressed uh, before the 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 sensual activities. That the, you know, it's like the war's almost over. <laughs> like the, Ameri- well, she, the Americans are yeah. winning. Uh, there's like this kind of this backdrop thing about like listening to the radio and yep. uh, change uh, whatever signal you're on. You're getting a different story, but I mean, we know how the story is going to end. So there is this tension <laughs> yes. of like, like man, like why is this guy being such a such a an asshole? Well, b- pretty much everyone is saying to this guy, things are going to be done soon, yeah. so just don't get involved in anything. <laughs> well, yeah, why are you saving up the, this this effort now of all times? And he says, this is exactly the time to strike mm-hmm. and get involved. Yeah. And then you go, okay, okay. Um, okay. And so he does go um, get get himself some trousers, some some mm-hmm. new clothes. And I believe, so yeah, the, the, the man that everyone, the, the tailor for the, this group is a, is a Jewish man who's being kind of, kept in this apartment in this part mm-hmm. of the building and it's kind of like an open secret that mm-hmm. he he pays money these guys don't just murder him or... and he makes suits for them too yes. right so, so... And, and they take advantage of the situation and he's kind of resigned to it cuz he's keeping himself his daughter and his own mother alive uh and it's kind of like they're in the home stretch there's this also this idea though it's like man things are get, like these guys are going to start getting more desperate and we should get out of here, and we should get to Spain. But we, we need to have a plan. We need to have a path out, and we probably need some help. Mm-hmm. So there, there's that tension going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we So there's these intervals of him getting fitted and stuff like that. And this become, this will wind up kind of taking over, like, probably the second half of the movie, this um, relationship between Lucien and uh, Mr. Horn, Al- Albert. Yes. Albert Horn. Albert Horn. And uh, France, the person. France, the person. Not the country. Correct. His daughter. Allegedly. So uh, there's a real dirty uh, Gestapo trick here where one of the Mm -hmm. French guys pretends that he's part of the underground. They go to Mm -hmm. another village and they're like, there's a guy that they know is a a doctor or vet or something like that. He'll uh, patch up. Uh, resistance fighters. So he's like, oh, I've been hit. Oh, I need a little bit of help. And then he starts helping them. He's like, ah, I'm not injured, but now I know you're a piece of shit that's helping the resistance. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, we're gonna put a fucking bullet in your head. And they and you ever done that one? I haven't. I haven't had the opportunity, RJ. Oh, okay. Uh, there is a scene where this guy's son is like introduced for a little yeah. bit. He's working on yeah. uh, his little mo- his, his model boat. Gets all fucked yeah. up by the, these bastards. Well, he thinks they're genuinely interested in his model boat, and they're like, "This must have taken a long time to make." And he's like, "It did." Nope. He's like, "I worked really hard on this thing." And then uh, our uh, our main guy here, that uh, is the protagonist, hero protagonist of the film, just slowly start slowly starts to break it, and you go, "You're a real prick." <laughs> he's, he's, he's interrogating. Yeah, but they're not asking any questions. They they're sure just are breaking it. Yeah. They're just breaking it because 
as we as we've been led to see with this guy, he just likes he gets off as Rossi would say, he gets off on other people's pain. And but it's fortune. also but it's also about power. Yeah, isn't it always a control? Well, so yeah, one of the things that's very uh, subtle. I don't know if it's subtle, but it's one of those images where you're like, huh, there's this black man and he's he's working with the Gestapo. With the people. So yeah. he's and uh this of course would be to people be like, What? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, uh this is a uh, something that gets brought up these days where it's like, hey, at our uh quote unquote peaceful protests uh where, where people are accused of things, it's like, look, there's a there's a there's a racialized person amongst us. How could we be racist? It's like, well, Isn't that, there's there, there's there's uh, uh, I guess in this movie anyway, it's like, yeah, that's not a thing. It's like, yeah, there's a there's a black man working with the Gestapo. Mm-hmm. Crazy, right? It's like, well, sometimes people just want to survive uh, or want yep. a little bit of power for themselves. It can go either way. Some people do it for survival, yes. Some people do it because they're like, I see an opportunity. No, nope. <clears throat> both things are potent can potentially happen. But there's still a there's still a hierarchy in place. Oh yeah. And that's not oh, being yes. and that's not being upset with this. Nope. And so yeah, that's always a it came to mind. And I was yep. like Yeah. Uh so uh our our hero, Lucien, uh he, he gets his trousers and this is when he meets Franz Horn. There there was cause there was a figure that was off camera in another room playing a piano. And we didn't get to see them in the first time that they were visiting. And then later on, when he, when um, this is the beginning of Lucien coming back to mm-hmm. uh, to follow up on this. Because he sees, again, an opportunity to enforce his power. Feel the like emptiness of his existence or whatever. Mm-hmm. With like, oh, here's some people I can take advantage of and abuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, real great. Right, who, who have you taken advantage of lately? Uh Hopefully no one. Oh, well, no. How, how about you, RJ? Who, me? <clears throat> Pretty much anyone I can get my hands on. Do you know what I mean? Not in like a physical way. Just like anyone that's within reach. I see. Do you know what I mean? No. Sign up for my OnlyFans and I'll tell you more. <laughs> okay. Um, so he he is smitten with this 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 beautiful young woman. And he's like... Yeah, I like this. I like this a lot. And mm-hmm. so she's leaving for the to go grab, you know, rations from mm-hmm. the grocery store. There's a lineup and he goes down there um and he sees her and he's like, "Come with me." And he goes to butt her in line. And everyone's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And he tries to pull the 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 cars like German police. G- German police let her uh-huh. in and she's like and he's like, "Whoa, I don't know, it's not really how things are done." And she's kind of like no, I'm I'm gonna go back to my spot in line. Mm-hmm. This is this is very uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And then he comes back buying, bringing some gifts by some. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this the point where it's champagne? champagne? Yeah, yeah. case he's of like, champagne. He's like, hey, I'm one of the family now, right? I'm a, I'm gonna I'm going to court her, and you're like, well, there's not really a it's not a very fair dynamic. Because you can't really say no to the thug with the gun mm-hmm. who can uh, out you anytime and take you away. But she's she seems to be, as time goes on, a little smitten herself. Even though there's this obvious weird coercion and threats. Mm-hmm. This kid's got a real hair trigger temper. Something to do with the implication, you know. There is a little bit of that going on. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but so while while he's being a, a, a real piece of crap, uh, there is an attempted shakedown by the apartment building owner trying to get mm-hmm. a little, little bit more rent and saying, "Oh, you got to pay more." There's people who want this place. I know you got money, and uh, of course, Lucian's like, "No, no, no, no. This is this is my territory. These are my people to bully. You get you get the fuck out of here." That's a quote. That is a it's a direct quote, and um, it's one of the more striking ones in this in this film where mm-hmm. uh, you go, "Oh wow, <laughs> they really went for it." Louis Mal really gets it. He, he, Louis Mal understands, understands how people talk exactly. Yeah, yeah, he gets it. Um, then we get this is just like a series of incidents, really. The movie it does have like an overall arc as well, but uh, we have a bit where you don't know what's going on beyond the you know we have the German police. Uh, they're after probably French resistance people in a field, and there's one particular kind of mustachioed uh, mm-hmm. Gestapo guy who does get shot. Um, mm-hmm. he's bleeding out in a field and there's no real like payoff to this other than I guess, um, it's just kind of this mundane sort of like display of, uh, the day-to-day existence of these guys as things are winding down in, in, yeah. the, in terms of, uh, their, uh, their reign. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, there's not a lot of time left for those guys. Yeah. Sure. And this is where I made the note watching this movie is, uh, that, like Murmur of the Heart, Mal's movies are really nice looking. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're just mm-hmm. like, man, it's always like, oh, yeah, these are, I, I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, and yeah, uh, Lucian just keeps getting weirder, a little bit more fixated. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. buying flowers for everybody, for grandma, for dad. And uh, he's there because he's like, well, I'm taking her on a date. And I'm taking her to the, the Gestapo hotel. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, no, why would you do that? Like, don't bring her there. Like, she's not allowed there. Those people don't really like Jews, as mm-hmm. we soon find out. And so, yeah, he basically makes her go. Um, and she kind of wants to go, but it's mostly her father is like, really like, no, this is like terrible. But otherwise, like, well, I'm going to make you go then. <laughs> and then we'll then we'll see what what will happen then. She's like, well, no, I'll go instead. Uh, they go, mm-hmm. and of course, everyone seems to know that she's Jewish. Yep. And then there's some, some creepy comments about like I had a, I I, I was in a relationship with a Jewish woman once, and uh, he said, you know how that yeah, turned w- out. W- one of these guys, these anti-Semitic fucks, they, he's like, oh, I'll dance with her, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, grabbing a little ass. Lucian, what, Jared? Lu- Lucian's not a fan. He's what not. What are a they fan. doing? Grabbing her ass. Oh, okay, no. okay. Getting, helping, yeah. helping himself to a handful. And, okay. uh, tell me more. So Lucian's like, no, 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 no. He's ready to fucking throw down. And this guy backs off. He can see the the, the, the anger in his face. Is that kinda, all he can see? And he, Yeah, I think so. And he laughs. Shit. He's like, ah, what's, there's not, what's the point of fighting this over this young kid? He, he's, 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 he's a wild card. Mm-hmm. Fuck, fuck it. But you know, yeah. who's, you know who's really not happy about this? Who's that? The, the cleaning woman. Is, is she is not pleased by this. Yeah. She's been replaced. And boy, oh boy, does she go on quite the uh, anti-Semitic rant. She uh, she says some stuff. She is uh, a woman spurned. And, she definitely um, says some stuff. Yeah. Uh, scorned? Woman scorned? That's it. Not spurned. Yeah. So, spurned? Yeah. Spurned, yeah. Spurned, sprunted? Sprunted? I didn't know he spoke German, Jerry. <laughs> Fluent. Wow. Scorned. So, um, 
And then um, so there's a this this woman just has a flip out, and mm-hmm. uh, France goes off and is very upset. But uh, she's not so upset that she doesn't uh, bang Lucien. <laughs> They, 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 con- they consummate their attraction. And uh, soon enough, uh, there, there's some more of the party that was going on that night. It's it's dying off in the in the morning light. And mm-hmm. uh, two of the members of the group, they take off with this giant dog down the road saying, having one for the road. <laughs> um, but so I'm not exactly sure because there's a little bit of speeding car action kind of after something's happened and they come along to a, a, the, the car, you know, sometime later and they see the, the, the man, uh, the woman and the dog have all died. It looks like, I, th- I believe it's, I mean, I was like, is this a car crash or was this the resistance stopping them in the road? And <clears throat> what do you think? I think it was the resistance, they, okay. did, but did they even shoot the dog? Uh, I mean, he's got some blood on his side. He does, and he's panting. And I mean, knowing this movie, they probably killed that dog for real. I think dogs. I think dog be okay. I don't know. I don't know. They'd be you never bad. know. You never know. But I think the dog's okay. I think. I think yeah, that. Yeah. I think. I think the dog was thirsty because maybe it was being made to lay around a lot for the get to get the shot. Yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking something like that. So, and then uh, Mama uh, Lacombe, she shows mm-hmm. up. Pays Lucien a visit because uh, she hasn't, of course, seen her son for a while. He's been hanging around in this other village, hanging out with, mm-hmm. you know, the Gestapo. Mm-hmm. And she's there kind of um, to give a warning. Hey, the war is almost over. They're When they get here, they're going to kill you. You should get out. And mm-hmm. he's like, they tell him, screw you, mom. Mm-hmm. And then there's more escalation in the horn home um basically like this the tension between uh lucian and albert keeps going up like it, it, again it's the this power struggle between the two in terms of what the, the relationship is even though at one point albert seems to be like he's starting to he's like having these like he flips out on his own daughter um uh, it gets a little physical and ugly and then it's very apologetic afterwards. Mm. And but there's because there's this this tension of like what the fuck's going to happen. And there's like this real pressure of like we have to get out of here. We need to go. Mm-hmm. We got to get to Spain. We got to keep a mama safe. Um, we got to protect the mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so after this though, it seems like Albert has become a little bit more confident. Uh, the, the, everyone's starting to feel a little bit more confident. That it's like ah. Where France is about to get liberated, Albert uh, and I think first um, France goes out in a dress, and she's like, "Oh, I was outside. It was really nice. I'm not afraid for my life as much." And then Albert's also starting to get a little hot to trot, being like, "Yeah, I'm ready to go out there too," getting um, more and more confident because Mm -hmm. there's this pressure. He's like, "Well, we got to get out of here because we don't like." Uh, things are going to escalate and we're all in danger if that happens, Lucien. And, but of course he, he goes to the hotel, the Gestapo hotel has a drink. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the, one of the shit bags, he comes along and he's a, he's a real, he's a real Nazi, RJ. Not going to lie. 
In what sense? Oh, uh, he he walks the party line. He's read all the propaganda and internalized it, and uh, and he he speaks it very fluently. He's a he's a good soldier, a firm mm. believer in the ideology, and mm-hmm. he's like, well, time to tear up this passport of yours that's not real, and we're going to mm-hmm. start from scratch. He's like, you know, when he asks you his nationality, he goes French. He's like, no. Jews, Jews don't have aren't French. It's illegal. Jews cannot be French. Yeah, he says. He yeah. says, "I know your tricks." Yeah. So um, Albert uh, gets a gets him on a train to Toulouse, mm-hmm. and from there, who knows? RJ, mm-hmm. did he actually get on that train? Unknown. Mm, it's they make it seem like it's possible, and then where Possibly. to? And then where to? Uh, but I think like this, that whole, that whole exchange, that whole scene is like real good stuff. And then, uh, Lucien is now going, he goes back to the hotel. There's another man being tortured. Mm-hmm. He hangs out with him for a bit, bit of a chin wag. He's doing his own type of interrogation, which is half, half ass. He gets asked, it's like, how old are you? <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. he, he looks like he's using a typewriter for the first time in his entire life. Um, yeah, and his he's just supposed to sit there with that guy. Yeah. He's not really supposed to do anything. He's like, just go watch that guy. Mm. But you know him. But then the French Resistance shows up, and they fucking take everybody out on that main floor. Lucien uh, manages to escape this mm. fate. And uh, so, but the SS are now around, and they are starting to round up the people in the town. And to what end? Hard to say. There's going to be an interrogation or vengeance. Um, maybe they're just going to wipe everybody out. You just don't know. Uh, Lucien, of course, shows shows up at uh, the Horn House, and he's boat. He's getting ready to like send them off packing. But this SS guy, he fucking pisses Lucien off. He doesn't. He doesn't see the signs that this kid's uh, doesn't take much to set him off. He tries to steal this gold watch from his like girlfriend mm-hmm. um pocket it and then this is like hey german police don't steal and he's like here let me take that for you and he puts it in his own pocket and lucy's like yeah no 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 so they're walking down the steps lucy just <laughs> murders this guy and he's like mm-hmm. okay you two let's escape and then uh we get kind of like another like i don't know 15 minutes or so that kind of goes into like a terrence malick film living mm-hmm. living off in the off the land, <laughs> we get a marvelous sequence of a rabbit being killed and a montage co- and cooked and just yep. napped on the spit. It's <laughs> like, ah, gotta get one more in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it's strange that they're like, we just had to fit one more in. Yeah, one more rabbit. Well, it's, it's full circle because <clears throat> he started off yeah. hunting rabbit and now here he is back. Um, uh, maybe he shouldn't have, uh, Maybe he shouldn't have left the farm way back when. Yeah, maybe. But, um, you know, that's it's like his path, man. Yeah. And uh, we get a nice little, as they're kind of hanging out, chilling out on mm-hmm. out in the fields. Um, grandma's got her deck of cards, but it's, I think it's missing a card, so she can't play solitaire properly, I think. That's a bummer. Uh, the, the, the young couple gets to frolic around with no care of the future. Uh, they're mm-hmm. just living in the moment, which is kind of a Lucian's problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a little text that pops up saying uh, Lucien was arrested, and uh, he was tried and executed. 
the the ever loving end. <clears throat> the end. Yeah. Did you? What did you think about the text ending? Uh, I mean, it's fine. It seemed pretty. I mean, the movie is two hours and seventeen minutes <laughs> as it was. Yeah, it is two hours and seventeen minutes long. And o- only about an hour of that is animal death. So, the other hour and seventeen is kind of plot. Right. Yeah. No, it seems it seems pretty on par with the rest of the movie. Yep. Yep. Um. So, RJ, why does uh, Lucien introduce himself as Lacombe, Lucien? Um, he's a big fan of like uh the uh, ski chalet in uh like Lacombe, the place. Okay. Is what I, how I interpreted it. Beautiful. I don't know how you did. Like, you tell me your interpretation, and I'll tell you if I think it's right or not. I think I read somewhere, and this this might have been your favorite film critic, uh, Roger Ebert. Oh yeah, um, the pervert. Um, alleged. Yeah. So he uh-huh. he was saying that it was kind of the, it's like a kind of a sign of this like almost program bureaucratic element of a person that's like following orders, where if, if people asked you what your name was you're always presenting yourself like someone like an official is asking you. And so you give last name, first name. So wait, what? It'd be, if I asked you your name, you would respond yeah. last name, first name. Oh yeah. Well, some cultures e- e- do that. Even some languages ca- but, but, do that, right? But, but this is like in a casual conversation and he still introduces oh. that, that way. Um, it is not. See, it is not a convention. I don't think in uh, wartime France. Do you think he's just bad at stuff? I think there's a bit of posturing involved. Oh, yes. Interesting. So uh, that all being said, what did I think uh-huh. of Lacombe Lucien? Yeah, I, I liked it more than Murmur of the Heart. On the whole, um, the the animal violence uh, is kind of startling in the way that it always is in these 1970s European movies where clearly I think rather than making a, a judgment call about these people, it's like, well, clearly they had a different relationship with animals than we do now. Mm -hmm. Um, So watching it now it is, it's, it's tough because that I'm not sure how many movies would be going down this route and people would be losing their minds. So it's like it's like hopping into a time machine and uh, going, oh, people uh, weren't just watching Facebook videos and Instagram videos of cats doing adorable things or all kinds of animals being like baby giraffes and mm-hmm. uh, horses. And now it's like, well, you know, back in the 70s, we killed rabbits. And this is how we ate them. <laughs> and you're like, I see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fascinating. And how about the how about that <laughs> karate chop chicken heads? <laughs> well, that and uh, I mean, <laughs> the karate chop is something else. But also, it's like, well, after you karate chop it, don't forget you got to pluck that bastard too. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're like, this is what life was like in the '70s, boy. We tell you, fucking chickens. Well, I mean, like, I will say that I, this isn't the, the the first time or last time that I've seen uh, my share of like casual animal death uh, in European cinema, and I'm sure it's qu- still all quite very prevalent in a lot oh, of yes. movies around the world. Around the world, yeah. 
Unfortunately. Yes. Right, Jared? So, I mean, that didn't... Uh, I mean, there came a point watching this movie, because I actually did wind up watching this in two sittings. Um, yeah. I got through about an hour in, and then I'm like, I think my attention's fried. I, I need to stop this. And then yeah. I watched some Jackass. Oh. Uh, which I didn't mention when I was talking with them earlier. They're so smooth. Like, I'm sitting there, and then when the end comes and Rip Taylor shows up, it's like, it's over? Like, it felt like I, I, I just started. <laughs> mm-hmm. That Not the experience of Lacombe Lucien. What I'm saying is it needed more Rip Taylor. So are you saying, which one do you think is more deserving of a spot in the Criterion? The one that is in the Criterion or the one that isn't? Oh, we, we know the answer to that at this point. Anyone following along knows the answer to that. Mm, fair. Definitely need more men going down a bowling alley lane on a skateboard, and then his friend throws a bowling ball up from behind, and it hits him in the dick. That is what mm. we and the rest of the world, and particularly the Criterion Collection, needs that. Do you think so? Absolutely, with all my heart. Man, I agree. Yeah, uh, I yeah agree. so... Will I ever watch this movie again is, a, is an interesting uh, thought because the answer would be no. I will. Okay. I would never watch this ever again. Okay. But, uh, I mean, it's, I don't know, you could call this, it's like, it seems like it's a good movie, but at the end of the day, I feel like move, there's so many options of good movies to actually watch that you're like, oh, I've never seen that. This movie's not one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I don't know if I would put this in the L column necessarily. It's, it begins with an L. So, I mean, that's something. Um, this might be kind of a draw for me. Even in though it's what like, sense? It's like it's a eh, like it's a zero kind of a game. So if we're talking score cards, cards yeah, scorecards, it'd be like zero, one, one. Okay. Um, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, so... But yeah, I mean, there's. I think there's Fair some enough. interesting things going on in terms of like how we never get any insight at all into the protagonist of this movie. Lucy and Lacombe is a blank slate of meanness. Uh, that's a that's a pretty brave move <laughs> to make your character just like this blank slate, and all you really ever see is like you get these weird glimmers that like he cares about some things, but then completely like, nah, yeah, fuck, fuck that. No, I don't care about that at all. And it's like he's now he's karate chopping chicken heads off. Yep. It's it actually, in some ways, thinking about it, reminds me a little bit of Vagabond, one of your favorite oh. films. Ah, uh, well, you know what I say about characters. There, there's, there's this past about yeah, French people. The, there's this like kind of like uh, the French countryside, different era, but yeah. this kind of character that it's it's hard to root for, but there is something <laughs> for me that is compelling about it. Um, there, I, I think there's some, the, all the scenes, like, cause I actually, I did go back through really quickly before we started recording just mm-hmm. to kind of like write my notes of the chronology of the movie out to talk about it. And I was like, no, it pretty well, like everything in this movie besides maybe the animal deaths, um, uh, pretty well fits in the movie. And it's on re like on reflip through the two hours, 17 minutes is like, it's actually pretty a weirdly concise movie, which mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't think of at the, I wasn't thinking it was when I, in the middle of it was like, oh, I got to take a break. It also kind of reminds me of, Oh God, uh, fast binder movies. 
a, a quite a bit too. It's but a completely different subject matter. But yeah. um, but it, there's something about this feeling of this is how prestige movies were in mm-hmm. the '70s, and the, 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 you couldn't find something. You couldn't find a movie more removed from like. Uh, well, I guess you'd call it kind of like the modern, independent uh, aesthetic, sort of like in your A24s or your neon films, where everything has to have like some actor that was like mm-hmm. in a Harry Potter movie or some like hit comedy. Oscar the, Isaacs? Uh, Oscar Isaacs, yeah. Does your movie have Oscar Isaacs? <laughs> and you'd have to now. You'd have to have like, you. Yeah. this movie now would have, I mean, I don't know, maybe these actors were big European stars in 1974. And I just, to me, I'm like, they feel very anonymous. And yeah. which adds to this kind of feeling of watching the movie that mm-hmm. it's like, it feels very authentic. Uh, despite the fact that it's a movie in 1974. And also, I mean, we haven't even talked about the element of history where I, I guess when I was reading, there was um, Max Ophels was making films, Sorrow and the Pity, I think in 1970, that was kind of talking about this this myth of like what the French occupation was like. And this is this idea that like, well, the French, I mean, they fought it all. They were fighting alongside, like fighting against it the entire time. They resisted. And it's like, no, it's far more complicated than that. There's a lot of people who are just like, you know, they they ran to the chance of like, no, oh, this is just what it is. This is what life's going to be like forever. The, the occupation will never end. Um, so you gotta go, you gotta move on with your life, whatever that nightmare world looks like. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of this idea of like, well, why would someone wh- who's being told we're ending, we're coming toward the end of this. Like we're actually, there's no reason to go along with this. What would draw somebody into that? And we don't really get that answer either. Um, because there is no answer to that. Right. You feel me? What's your answer, though? If you had to make one, what would your answer to that be? What, what draws a person into uh, being a collaborator, into, into becoming a German police and, yeah. uh, and terrorizing people? Um, I don't know. Where would uh, your line be? I, I'd, probably, I'd be the probably – I'd be rooting for, uh, you know, they're being hung at the end of this because okay. uh, the the – ethos of your occupier are abominable and vile and uh, mm. at the end of it you just i guess to survive you keep your head down and or get the or if you're if you're lucky enough have the the privilege i guess to get the fuck out of dodge before it's mm-hmm. too late mm-hmm. and uh hope that everything works out for the best <laughs> that i mean that's really the like there was like scenes in this too that were interesting where uh it's just like in the middle of the town, like the town square. And I think it's like when his mom leaves and there was this moment of like, well, like, I don't know how it went, but something like, man, like nothing good came from this war, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting statement that you want. It made me think like, well, what if there was no war? Like what would our, like, what would Europe look like? What would the world look like if there was no world war two, if it just never occurred? For some mm-hmm. somehow, because there was no there's no benefit of it. But I'm like, well, that there probably I mean there wasn't. There's like there's the do the cost outweigh the things that came out of it. I mean, the entire world is what it is. If it didn't happen, we couldn't even discuss it because we wouldn't even know what we were talking about. Probably some other equivalent thing would have happened. Maybe it's a lot of what ifs. So it's kind of mm-hmm. dis- difficult to discuss. But I was like thinking about that because there's this image of her like walking away, and I was like kind of looking at that area, and I was like. This is being filmed in 1974. So, like, what you're looking at is a 
version of 1944 France, but it's in 1974. So we got, we, we did it. We got over it. It's 30 years after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, what, what was it for? And so I don't know. It's an interesting question. And I'm sure, uh, greater minds than mine of, uh, would have more interesting thoughts about that, but that I'm sure they'll let you know. So that all being said, I I do find this movie uh, interesting. Sometimes I, we watch these movies and it doesn't really raise any thoughts. <laughs> it's other than this movie's forever. I want I want it to be over, and I want to go back to watching Wee Man uh, sit on a electrified stool while a man throws a playing card at his ass, and then he goes, "Oh, is there some sort of card throwing machine?" premium anyways rj <laughs> with that being said what did yes. you think of lacombe lucienne lacombe lucienne i like lucienne lacombe more to be honest you know what i mean <laughs> just kind of rolls right off your tongue yeah in terms of how yeah. things are yeah. um all right i don't like it i mm. mean I, I i get what you're saying i get what other people will say it's a nice looking movie. It's talking about some complex stuff. Um, obviously, I don't like any of the animal stuff. I mean, what else is new, you're right, not, Jared? You're not a what else? You're not a big fan. No, I'm not a big fan. But it's like, even for me, I'm just like, it's like this seems like a lot. <laughs> like you know, like even one scene is like too much for me. But like you know, I'm, I think I've I've learned that not as many people care. So I don't I don't even hit on those things as hard as i i used to but even like watching this i was like fuck i was like enough that there is some long <laughs> long shots of that dead horse well the dead horse and the chicken scene is like so bizarre and like i know what people say well that's what you go to do that's what people used to do to eat man and that's like the realities of nature it's like yeah i know i know how like life and death works and how people eat I just don't want to watch it all the time, you know? So for me, I was like, well, that part alone, I was like, that seems like a bit much. (laughs) Um, But then uh, our boy Lucian here, he's just a little piece of shit. He is. And and like, I know that's the point, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's like, it's like, I don't like this kid. (laughs) He sucks. I don't don't like this guy. He's He's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. Everything he does sucks. And I'm just like, ugh. And it's like, this kid sucks. Um, he's bullying his way into like into daughters. Where's your daughter sleep? I'm taking your daughter, and you're just like, ugh. Uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It gets uncomfortable. What is? I mean, it's not. It's just it is because of the implication, right, Jared? So uh, that's uncomfortable. Um, he's also he's flexing his German police stuff. Been police for like a day. Yeah, so just that's fucking the, relax. The, well, that is exactly what these this guy would do, though. He'd be like, everyone, yeah, no big deal. You know, my dad owns McDonald's. You know, if, I, I mean, you didn't ask, but mm-hmm. I'm going to let you know. He said, uh, he, and then he goes, do you believe me? Well, that's, and that's something that Lucien would say, what, isn't it? Do you believe like, me? I'm sure, please, do you believe me? Why would it make that do up? You believe me? Yeah, and people like, like, uh, step off, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's like I know I know what other people will say too. They'll say this, Jared. They'll say, "Well, that's exactly the kind of person that would join the German police as a seventeen-year-old." Like, yeah, and what was the what you said like um like a French guy, like a co 
collaborator. Collaborator, yeah. It's like a collaborator would be one of those guys who's like, I want the power. I want the control. And I want people to know that I have the control. And you go, I get it. I know that those people are out there. Many of those people exist. Um, But I think what it was for me more than anything (laughs) is – uh, with our current uh, convoy bullshit just being a never never ending stream of stuff like this of people being like this is this is the way it is now and then it's just like Ugh. it's like you're just like this kid this fucking shitty little kid mm-hmm. walking around being like I'm going to the front of the grocery line and you're like oh god it's like just wait in fucking line like everybody else it's not that hard man it's not that hard so, like, uh, I, I, I really didn't like him for that reason. I was like, this is too close to what uh, current day is like. I, I've just had to, like, brush up on my uh, World War II geography a bit. So, this isn't specifically occupied France. This is Vichy France. Uh, mm. Vichy France? Like Vichy, like Vichy Rib? Uh, rib? I don't, I'm sure. I don't know. I'm Ridge? Not, I'm not. A v- Vimy Ridge. V- Vimy Ridge, you're thinking of. Vimy Ridge. Okay. So, um, just, yeah, just to correct some, I guess what I was saying earlier, it's not, it's splitting hairs. Officially independent. Uh, this is because this was the southwestern area of France. This is where the movie is set. Uh, officially independent, it adopted a policy of collaboration with Nazi Germany, which occupied its northern and western portions before occupying the remainder of metropolitan France in November 1942. Though Paris was ostensibly its capital, the Vichy government established itself in the resort town of Vichy in the unoccupied free zone where it remained responsible for the civil administration of France as well as its colonies. Mm. Uh, the regime was authoritarian, xenophobic, anti-Semitic, corporatist, and traditionalist in nature. And and it collapsed in uh, October, August 1944. So yeah, this movie is set, I think it's June is what I said earlier. So like two months, they're like, uh, I think they're not. Why are you joining? And I think he was arrested and tried and executed in October. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, if only it could have happened sooner. Do you know what I mean? That's what I think. Yeah. Potentially. Um. Yes. I don't know. So okay. I mean, good context and like that's the stuff about the movie too. It's like, looks good. See, I'm like, I know it's. Probably got a lot of historical value to it, contextual value, maybe even societal value, Jared. You know about societal value? Do you know about that? I've heard about you ever it. Heard, you ever heard about what it is to live in a society? <laughs> you hear about this? <laughs> when society... Yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's stuff about this movie that is like... It's like, yeah, I see why... I see why people like Louis Mao and uh, the stuff that he does it's just this kid's a little piece of shit and i hated watching him because everything he was doing i was like man fuck this little kid he's got a role he does kind of a punchable face yeah yeah and like i know everyone's gonna say well that's the point of the movie man it's like yeah i get it yeah but i could watch a movie where some guy someone is directly talking to me and, and being like fuck you you're a piece of shit And you want and like, you know, like that could be the point of that movie, too. But it's like, I don't want to watch that either, even if that is the point of the movie. Um, Yeah, I wasn't a big fan on this. I that for me, this is two in the L. So zero, zero or zero, two (laughs) for me. Um, But uh, I honestly know I'm I'm doing my ranking here as you're talking. And I'm like, 
I think I like this movie more than I realize because when I'm That's fine. or the movies we've just been watching for the last uh, twenty eight films, uh, it's been some it's been some weak stuff. Jared. What's that? We've had some real stinkers. It's lately. It's, it's been tough. And I don't like so this movie. I don't like hate it like I do in a lot of my bottom movies. But this is gonna be in my bottom just because it's like I don't know. I just don't like it. If that makes sense, like. I don't actively hate it like I did, like, say, The Element of Crime, where I was like, I hate this movie. It sucks. Uh, but, like, this movie, it's like, I don't like this movie, like, at all. And I just, I, I think it also sucks, just not as passionately. On the Darkometer, it's it's suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it suck. On the Suckometer, it suck. But, yeah, like, I don't know. All the stuff you said, I think, is good points. Movie looks good. It's got some cool French stuff in there. It's well made. It actually it does flow pretty seem like even though two seventeen, it's a long movie. Mm-hmm. It actually does like especially if you're not especially if you don't like the main character especially and you, you yeah. just you never know when when there's gonna be a dead animal happening. Yeah, I mean that's what it was more for me than anything because I was just like man. Yeah, a, there is a lot in the first eighteen minutes. Because the yeah the first like two or three I I have watched I was like oh, I'll see how it goes through. And then by the time the horse came along, I was like, all right. And, I, and so I pulled up my cell phone, looked at like nice stuff for a bit. And then I looked back up. I was like, oh, is the horse still on? Holy shit. And then I went back up. Mm-hmm. Just never ending. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That's about, N- what, not I, a it's about what I expected. And I'm not, not going to be like, come on, RJ. Because I don't I know. Mean, I mean, this is, this is definitely a... Uh, a niche pick and I wouldn't be recommending yeah. like honestly anybody really check it out unless you're like yeah. you're, you're you're really wanting to get some Louis Mall. I mean yeah I mean that's the thing too it's like people like it whatever well well from what I've read it seems like next week's movie is the the the, the best of the of the three hey man a cherry on top of a turd is still a, a, a turd you know what I mean well unless you're uh I don't know uh, getting paid like hundred bucks to eat it. Ooh, is mm. there such a? He's got to. F- you got to find the right buyer. Oh, I like that. I like that. You might appreciate the freshness the cherry supplies. What about the turd? Uh, that's that's your problem. Okay. Or my you prerogative. Want, you want to hear from some people who hate Lacan, Lucien? Yeah, of course. Oh, absolutely. Of course. So first up, we've got. Busy B, half, mm. well, one and a half stars. Hated watching this Nazi youth. Was good to show the role of collaborators in World War II, but I also found it unbearable to watch. Um, That's it. Uh, this person only has 13 films logged. Favorite films include Doctor Strangelove and The Seventh Seal. And, um, like, that's it, dude. Huh. Don't have their lowest rated film is this. And I don't know. They only have 18 movies locked. So not a lot going on here. But they gave three and a half stars to The Pervert's Guide to Cinema. So they got that going for them. Uh, and then we got Mark RJ. Okay. Two stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is definitely not an RJ pick. Hey, what? <laughs> this type What's of film is usually right up my alley. And I guess I was hoping for an Army of Shadows vibe. Oh, wouldn't that have been amazing? Uh, that that's like that's a thriller, and 
I, I'm a, I stand for that movie, RJ. Ah, okay. Like Army of Shadows, the film looks great and has an intriguing premise, but Moll's take on the German occupation of France lacked Melville's pacing and failed to keep my attention. Also, Moll didn't need to show Lucien smacking the shit out of dying animals. <laughs> no, he didn't. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at this review now, and did you check out the GIF? I will right Link. now. It's quite good. It's quite good. Uh, oh, judo chop. <laughs> it's, uh, so uh, this review features a gif of uh, Mike Myers from Austin Powers, mm-hmm. who we mentioned at the start of this show. We did. Uh, not like completely coincidentally, because um, I talk about Austin Powers that much. But uh, this judo chop is uh, very fitting. Mm-hmm. Very fitting. So, Mark, uh, I, I didn't even know this person that I follow and follows me from mm-hmm. Canada, no less. Favorite films include Before Sunset, Chungking Express, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Three Colors Red. You know about Three Colors Red? Yes. One half-star film, Birdemic. Twelve one-star films, including Madman. Remember Mad Man, Jarrett, from 1981? <laughs> yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> One star to uh, Scary Movie 3, Hangover 3, uh, Neighbors 2, <laughs> Hostel 3. Uh, yeah, I... This guy hates sequels, man. Well, there's some pretty bad ones, unless they're jackass films. <laughs> unless they're jackass ones, yeah. yeah. Oh, they gave Dirty Grandpa one and a half. Oh, no, wait, that's not jackass. That's a... Uh... That's the Robert De Niro film. <laughs> yes. As, remember as, that as, one? As, as described by Suge. Suge Head? Yes. Quality filmmaking. Quality filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, how about Oliver Webb? Two okay. stars. 18-year-old man-child commits needless acts of animal cruelty and also joins yes. the Gestapo as he is too young to join the French resistance. I've seen countless teenage angst films, but this one really takes it to another level. Negative yeah. star for the poor chicken who deserved much better. Fuck you, Lucien. Everyone's out there fucking being like, God damn it, why you gotta kill that chicken that way? See, it's not even just me. This movie, I think this oh, it's, movie sets the, I, off a lot of I, people. No, I... <laughs> I was I was shocked. I was shocked when that like he's like I'm like what did what just happened? Cuz he's he, just he's blasting away on it and then suddenly it's just like the head's his head's gone. I'm like he doesn't have a knife. God you damn. Know, you know what? Far- or what? I mean maybe like farmer kids are just like like it's a what's it uh the uh, they are stronger. Red redneck kung fu as the Briscoe red- brothers uh would call it in Ring of mm-hmm. Honor. Yeah, they they've said that. Yeah, that farm strength. The Briscoe Brothers. Yeah, I totally know about those guys. Um, what was I going to say? Um, you know what You know what gets me the most about that scene? is. Do you think that was the first and only take? Or do you think they did that multiple times? I I mean, I hope they got, they didn't just give him another chicken. Well, do you think that kid could do that with confidence one time? Maybe it was, I don't know. Maybe it was pre-chopped. That uh, thing was fl- flopping around before he judo chopped it. So, anyways, Oliver Webb likes Saturday night and Sunday morning. Jules and Jim, Rear Window, and Blue Velvet. Bum, bum. 
Oh, I've seen these wrestler boys you're sending me. Yeah, those guys look like they could get down with some chickens. No, they are chicken farmers. Yeah. Oliver Webb's only got two half-star films, Chronicles of Riddick and Dark City. You know Dark City, Jared? I do know Dark City. You know who's a big fan of Dark City? Who that? Roger Ebert. Of course. Fucking pervert. Uh, Chronicles of of Riddick's okay. It's got... uh, Yeah, I think it's it's, fine. It's it's like uh, Space Conan by the end. It's pretty cool. I'll I'll take it. I rewatched that movie not that long ago. It's not not half-star or anything like that, but... It's not bad. I'd probably watch Riddick over uh, Lacombe Lucien again. Mm-hmm. You know. So I'm uh, this guy's cool. Very good. Very good. Well, damn, RJ. Any final thoughts? No, I mean, I don't like it, but. Yeah. I know. What do you expect? Sounds like next week's a winner, right? I've That's, that's what I heard. Is it under two hours? Ooh, damn. Don't, don't, don't. Because maybe it's best not to know the answers to these things. Because... I need to know because I got to plan out my Sunday. Oh, fuck. One second. I'll tell you. This I'll... podcast is a lot of work. It's, there's a lot of type, people, time people, management. People really have, people this. have no idea. No idea. You're done. Ah, they don't... thank goodness. It's only uh, 105 minutes. Bless Could, okay, Lord, I would I would have liked ninety better, but hundred and five is pretty good. Hundred five. That, that's good. an extra fifteen. It's hour forty five. So better than one thirty seven, like this film. Mm-hmm. So it's better than that. Okay. Okay. <sighs> we good? I mean, I'm good. good. I've always been good. beautiful. I'm just, just checking in. You know, Never just, been nothing but good. Yeah, doing a wellness check. Make sure you're. Yeah. Break you're, the door you're, down you're, for you're, that wellness you're, check. You're, you're hanging in there. I mean, I'm fine. I just wish Criterion <laughs> included better movies. Aww. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean. Where's the jackasses? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Ab- Those movies come, I'll be better. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, after the break, we don't join the Gestapo. We don't? And uh, things work out great. Because we didn't join the fucking Nazis. Don't do that. Don't. It's, it's not good. Mm. Don't, don't be a piece of shit. Or watch Jackass. <laughs> I, I think at one point it looks like uh, Chris is sporting some Confederate flag-ish uh, swim trunks. Oh, know. no. It was... Uh, 2002 is a different time. Different time? <laughs> yeah, 20 years ago. They, they, they didn't know better in 2002, RJ. <clears throat> There's a great and a bloody fight around this whole world tonight. In the battle of bombs and shrapnel rain. Hitler told the world around he would tear our union down. But our union's gonna break them slavery chains. Our union's gonna break that slavery chains I walked up on a mountain in the middle of the sky Could see every farm and every town I could see all the people in this whole wide world That's a union that'll tear the fascists down, down, down That's a union that'll tear the fascists down when I think of the men and the ships going down While the Russians fight on across the dawn There's London in ruins and Paris in chains Good people, what are we waiting on? 
good people, what are we waiting on? So I thank the Soviets and the mighty Chinese vets, the allies the whole wide world around. To the battling British thanks, you can have 10 million yanks if it takes them to tear the fascists down, down, down. If it takes them to tear the fascists down. But when I think of... RJ, if you were a character from Jackass, which one would you be? I think we all know I'm, uh, what's the big guy's name? Preston? Preston. I'm Preston. You're a Preston? Not a party man? I don't know. I I mean, some people say I look like Johnny Knoxville and that I look like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Striking. Okay, okay. Let me, let me, let me, uh rephrase this if you were a psychosexual killer from the first season of millennium which one would you be what's your what's what's your kink man hard question none of the rapists because that's weird that 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 is virtue signaling now come on i mean honestly it's probably the pharmacist that hate (laughs) makes hates you're the he hates job. it so much. You're not, you're, you're not drywall guy? No, you're a drywall guy. <laughs> look, look behind you. There's like, there's lots of like things plastered over, body-shaped holes. Like Jared is a 100% drywall guy. Uh, For sure. You got me. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm or, sex pharmacist. Sex pharmacist. You're drywall guy. Or, oh, maybe, maybe I'm like... Well, maybe like because I've been so scarred by the first episode, I'm like uh, stitches. You could be stitches. I'll be gender fluid serial killer because that that person's oh, cool. They yeah, kill oh, people, yeah, but they cool. do it in a cool he's, way. He's a cool killer. Wow. Yeah, because they're so, they're they're ambiguous. They're maybe, always like, maybe where are they? Maybe you got a little bit too much Lucian Lacomania. He's a he's a cool killer. Well, it's like you, you never know where he is. You never know who he is. You know, you look, they always look different. It's like, what, what are they? Who are they? Yeah. I don't know. That's my answer. Chief. We got a Facebook page. We're on yeah. Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnlow. He's Barnlow. I don't know, I don't know when the next time Millennium Talk's going to come, but it'll be on Patreon for our Patreon oh. subscribers. They, 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 people are going to get a taste for the Darko meter. And they're gonna want more. They're gonna say, "I need to know what happens with this potentially darkest TV show ever made." <laughs> Other than like to catch a predator, because that was actual. Well, really. and then we're gonna keep it secret. Like, you know, we're gonna talk about like which which psychosexual killer from season two of Millennium are you? Oh well, man, this, there's some this, good ones in there. There's some good ones. There's some good ones in there, man. You go, you're gonna be crazy. Wow, what a what a place we find ourselves right now. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Next week, Spine, three thirty, from the three films by Louis Malle collection. Au revoir, l'enfant, from 1987. Is it good? It's supposed to be. I'm, I'm, here's hoping it's another uh, World War II movie is that all he does no <laughs> remember the heart yeah that, well I mean that was World War II in the heart do you know what I mean well, that was uh, after uh, World War II ended 
by oh. nine years. But there was Indochina War going on. The really? First, you know? What about it? <sighs> Brain fog. Damn. Good night. Uh, millennium. <laughs> <laughs>